At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Oh, how long it has been since the last 15 and 60 March of 2020 is when we did it. And now finally we have a full season. We can get back to our normal routine. So let's just get at it, Danny. Western Conference, Dallas Mavericks. They are currently two and three. Their plus 3.1 net rating is 10th in the league. We know that there is a significant win in there that affects their net rating. Mavs are 13th in offense, 7th in defense. 538 projects them to win 41 games member a bridge season. That's tied for sixth in the West. And they're Raptor model gives them a 73% chance of making the playoffs, and ELO gives them a 61% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, so I think the big story here is their offense being only 13th. You know, this was the greatest offense uh, of all time last year, and at least in raw terms, obviously not relative to the league. I would not consider them actually the best offensive team of all time. But I think their biggest problem right now is shooting 32% from three as a team. Uh, they're just not making the impact, spreading the floor. That, that would be problem number one to me there are others of course as well yeah i mean you could you kind of connect that with a couple different things i think luca looking a little bit a little bit heavy a little bit slow has been a big part of it and also him just not hitting threes for the life of him i mean it was worse before their new year's day win over the heat but luca shooting 16 percent from three dorian finney smith is at 30 percent josh richardson's at 31 you know a lot, a lot of the guys and also of course Kristaps porzingis is not in the lineup at all and you're replacing him with dwight powell who doesn't take them and so thus that doesn't help the percentages either yeah luca five out of 31 from downtown and powell they have really struggled 95 offensive rating when he's on the court 114.7 which would be much more towards the heights that they're used to having when he's off the floor negative 7.5 net rating overall for powell who's been right back in as the starting center and he's coming back from an achilles and he's not doing it let's keep in mind on the elongated timeline of guys like john wall and kevin durant he's still less than a year out from this Achilles it is interesting Danny that if you're a role player it's like well just come back as soon as you can from the Achilles and if you're a star it's like nah it, just please uh take your time we're gonna give you like a year or more uh and really like you can be cleared to play I mean Kobe came back six to nine months like you could be, Wes Matthews came back uh, as well like you can be cleared to play really in that six to nine month period it's just they're giving guys more time and obviously the way KD and John Wall have started and we'll talk much more about Wall later of course uh maybe that makes some sense but uh what else have you seen from these guys so 
I watched that when they had 93-83 over the Heat on New Year's Day, and that helped make Dallas's defensive numbers look a lot better. Remember, they're seventh there. But I think a lot yeah. of that they, was... They also gave up, what, 27 points to, to the shorthanded Clippers in that victory. It was like 77-27 at halftime. <laughs> yeah, and, and remember, cleaning, cleaning the glass filters out uh, filters out garbage uh, garbage time, so I'm guessing the numbers on that were even more ridiculous. Um, and But it only does that for the fourth quarter, even if there's garbage time before that. But a part of that was Miami just not hitting anything, and they were 7 of 33 from 3, and I would say most of that was good luck for Dallas rather than good defense. That said, the Mavericks do have a much better group out there, and I think that with you know having Josh Richardson makes a big difference, and so Finney Smith isn't you know kind of alone on an island, and Hardaway Jr. gets easier assignments and everything else. And so while Seth Curry is you know sometimes capable and active, Richardson can really help there. And so I'm excited about where Dallas's defense could go once they get Porzingis back. But then one of the other ripples of him being out is just it's really hard for Rick Carlisle to get this rotation working. I think that using whether it's Luca and Powell or some of these bench guards like Brunson and Trey Burke with Powell will work, but they don't have the capacity to do that right now because Powell's their starting center. And so Kleba played a lot in the Heat game. I thought he did well, but there just isn't quite enough depth there. I'm not concerned particularly about the Mavericks depth because we know that Porzingis will play more later than he has right now. And I, yeah, so I, I, I'm still largely positive about where they are going. Now, the regular season, especially if Luka takes time to round into form, that could be, you know, like that could affect their seeding and affect their viability as a playoff team. So I, I, I'm still I'm still a little bit torn. So reasons for optimism, Porzingis, obviously. If you just look at some of the numbers in terms of the health of their offense, they're third in free throw rate and they're fourth in three-point attempt rate. And they have pretty good shooters on the team. Not as good as they had before. So maybe, maybe they're not they're not going to be they don't have Seth Curry with this group anymore and Brunson isn't a, a great shooter either but Porzingis obviously is going to help some with that they're not turning the ball over at all uh, which is solid uh and then defensively you mentioned the hope for their defense they are following a fair amount but they're actually forcing turnovers which is not a capability that they particularly have had in years past with this group so those are all reasons for optimism uh and they've also just shown a very high level that they can reach they've also shown a ton of inconsistency I mean that's going to be a common theme here but the reason to not be as optimistic is just that Luca as you mentioned looks a little bit heavier he's kind of looks kind of more like rookie year look Luca than last year Luca and now I think it'll be a little easier to get into shape for guys this season because when you're on the road you're not eating like some of that same road food uh you know I don't know maybe you are if you're getting room service or something but you're not going out to like dinners you're not obviously going out to clubs or anything like that so I, I think uh the hope is that he can get back into shape I mean he's always seems to have these kind of niggling injuries which can maybe prevent that you mentioned that he's questionable for today's game we're recording this in the late morning pacific time anything else to say uh, on these guys no I, I think we can move on to the denver nuggets speaking of inconsistency nuggets are one and four they're 21st in net rating negative 2.6 they're sixth in offense 29th in defense uh Oof. 538 projects them to finish still with 42 wins which is fifth in the west and raptor gives the nuggets a 76 percent chance of making the playoffs and elo which reacts more quickly to what we've seen gives the Nuggets only a 46% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, and obviously I subjectively would put them at, at 
higher than that um you know the defense is one of the more concerning things but opponents are shooting 42 percent from three against them now that's a problem because they give up a ton of three-pointers historically and they've largely benefited from some three-point luck i think these last couple of years with teams shooting worse from three than would have been expected and i don't know if i would believe that that they have some special sauce to make teams shoot worse from three than they normally would um i am encouraged that the offense looks pretty good another thing that's really been disturbing for them though is they can't get a defensive rebound which they used to be awesome at and i think probably what you that's a good way to transition into just this team's second unit they don't seem to have found the combinations there no they they really haven't at this point so using cleaning the glasses garbage time filter the nuggets have been outscored by 11 points per 100 possessions when Jokic is sitting and that's I mean a putrid offensive rating 98.3 and uh, 109.3 defensive rating 117 possessions and they haven't really had a single unit that's played a lot but they've had a lot of struggles playing uh, one of the big culprits was this lineup with Campazzo, Monte Morris, Will Barton, PJ Dozier, and Isaiah Hardenstein and like the offense was terrible in those minutes and then also the defense was shaky and it something that something that you brought up is just yes you have a lot of kind of like offense first players in that group but it's also not a great theory of a lineup because of how those players fit together no the whole idea of Compasso is to give him the ball he's a good pick and roll player and give some space around him well Dozier doesn't space the floor Hartenstein is like okay as a screener I guess but then you also just have Barton and Morris who are more established in the pecking order you'll see this a lot of times with European guys who come over to Thomas Sadoransky would be another example of guys who are good pick and roll players but they just you know the team isn't prioritizing them they aren't necessarily as assertive they're more used to an egalitarian style in Europe and so you look down and they just haven't gotten any rep on the ball uh because they're playing a team first style and other guys I mean not that they're playing selfishly but guys like Will Barton and Monty Morris have been established in the league and they're going to run a lot of pick and roll and they're going to attack a lot and so if you're going to give Barton and Morris the ball more which I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't but then Capazzo kind of doesn't really have a place to be I mean he'll shoot a wide open three but it's tough for him to get it off takes him a while so and then his as we've mentioned on some of our gamers his is pressuring defensive style only works uh, against certain players so uh and then i think you know jermichael green has been out he's back now he had that that calf injury maybe the hope is that he can stabilize some of these groups maybe they could even try to bring paul Millsap back in with well what are the, the ways to year? i think you could handle this if you wanted to was actually to, you could even play Millsap and jermichael green together when Jokic is up yeah yeah that was the thought that i had going into the season although one downside there is that you don't really have great pick and roll play uh, from your center position um True. but yeah i mean i i harden seen to me as eh you know he needs to be more efficient than he has been only 51 percent true shooting somehow hartenstein has 24 percent offensive rebound rate so far but that's really kind of the only thing keeping his numbers afloat 30 percent usage for hartenstein as well i mean and uh, these are just some crazy early season numbers uh, but you know i'm not really sure that he's been that effective and you know dozier kind of doesn't really do anything offensively well, and, it's, and, and a big part yeah. of why those lineups have struggled is also that will barton has had just a brutal start to oh, the yeah. season 
54% true shooting and 29% on threes. And then that has actually been compounded because now Michael Porter Jr. is in the COVID protocol due to having close contact with someone with COVID. And those situations, you have to quarantine for seven days. So Porter Jr. already missed the Friday close loss to the Phoenix Suns. And then he's going to miss, I Kendra Andrews said he'd miss three additional games just due to due to that window. And so not only does that mean you don't have Michael Porter Jr., but also Will Barton is now in the starting lineup. And that would be somewhat okay if Will Barton was playing well. And remember, they didn't have him in the bubble. And, and like Will Barton is a, is a talented basketball player. But when he's playing poorly, then you actually make the starting lineup worse. And then they don't really have they could they don't really have a great replacement on the second unit either. No, they they don't. And Barton, this is something that we've talked about for a long time. That Barton, despite kind of seeming like a high scoring six man type, put him on the ball. He's got some pick and roll ability. He just has never been able to be efficient out of that. And he's really has been better historically in his career as a spot up guy. Um, when you look to the starting unit with Porter out now with Barton and Harris in the game, neither of those guys have been able to shoot the ball very well this year. Uh, both of them have well under 50% true shooting. I, on the Porter thing, I just, this is a societal problem, but I mean, it's the same thing with James Harden, frankly, where like Porter has had COVID already and all of the available evidence indicates that there's a very, very low chance that you're going to get COVID again if you've had it already, at least in the time frames that we are dealing with now. And so I think there's a feeling that especially in the short term, you didn't want to have this moral hazard of, okay, now get COVID and then you can go back to living your normal life and you don't have to worry. But like, frankly, that's kind of how it is. I mean, yes, there is not zero risk of getting it again, but it's low enough that there really should be a different protocol if you have it already. But, and to be a year into this now and the vaccine is not, I don't know how quickly it's going to be or we're having some problems rolling it out. It's, it, there seems like there could be a better way to do this than, you know, I mean, Mike Malone is still wearing a mask on the sidelines. Like, okay, maybe you want to signal that just to, like it's good to wear a mask for everyone. But like he's had COVID too. Like there's really no reason for him to be wearing a mask. And so I, I get that there's this public health thing of like, hey, you don't want to encourage people to get it. But on the other hand, we people only have a limited bandwidth for dealing with COVID stuff, especially at this point this far in that like having people do stuff that's unnecessary, that doesn't seem like it either. Um, anything else on these guys? Yes, we should talk a little bit about how great Nikola Jokic has been so far. I mean, it gets obscured because the Nuggets are one and four and they've been about neutral in Jokic's minutes. But here, here, here is top line, you know, counting stat numbers so far. 23 points, 11 rebounds and 13 assists per game. 13 assists is leading the NBA. And, and then 31 PER, 70% true shooting on about 25% usage and assisting the assist percentage. And this is basketball references version 55.5%. Yeah, he's. I, I just need to get him a few more shots. I'd like to see him take a few more threes than just three per game. And even Jamal Murray, after that really cold start, he's starting to heat up now. He's shooting 40% and taking over seven threes a game himself. He did miss one due to injury. Paul Millsap uh, has looked really good so far. Like they have a bunch of, a bunch of guys who have been extremely efficient thus far. It's just that some of these support guys are not doing it. And then the defense obviously has struggled. What does the defense look like with Jokic on the floor not great I mean 120 defensive rating so far but a lot of that is the you know 43 percent opponent shooting from three but they're also giving up the Nuggets are giving up 71 percent field goals around the basket which is terrible truly all right the Golden State Warriors speaking of terrible two and three but their three losses have all been complete blowouts negative 15 net rating is 29th in the NBA who's worse than them by the way oh we'll get there the Minnesota Timberwolves oh man another team that's 
actually won twice. <laughs> and, it, and it had the relationship between these two teams in terms of their draft pick. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, with, uh, yeah, they were 30th in offense last year, but with Steph Curry back, clearly that wouldn't continue. Ah, oh, no, actually they're 30th so far in offense this year. And 27th on defense, they project for 30 wins, which would be 14th in the in the West and 10 and 6% playoff odds by the two 538 formulas. Uh, I was there against Portland on Friday, which was an absolute shellacking from the jump. CJ McCollum got out early with four or five three-pointers in the first half. Then Dame Lillard really got going and put him away in the third after they had closed at one point to like 10 points. Uh, and it just was not particularly close. The strategy with Draymond Green coming back, he only played 20 minutes for Portland, was a, an interesting one and a good one. They went with Derek Jones Jr. on Curry. They went with Robert Covington on Draymond Green the Warriors came out wanting to get that Green Curry pick and roll going they were just switching it completely stoning it nobody else had any idea what to do when that didn't really work very well um I'm starting to get this feeling that hitting a bunch of jumpers early might have been the worst thing that could have happened to James Wiseman they actually started the game with a shooting set for him and I think he made it you know along too but like he's just sort of anytime he catches the ball at any kind of space it's just let's jack up a shot whether it's a three or a two and you know he did it with eight on the shot clock he gets it in the post against Robert Covington turns and faces from 19 feet and just shoots over him instead of like trying to back down against Robert Covington that was that was pretty ugly and Wiseman has not been able to get really much around the rim at all granted that's part of that's due to the Warriors miserable spacing part of it's just that nobody has any idea where to go or where to be offensively Um, but you know he hasn't been able to find anything on the offensive glass at all which I was hopefully could be pretty good there Um, you know the alley-oops they threw him a couple but uh, he hasn't really been able to find the the space there either granted not having much passing or shooting makes that a little bit more difficult but I was just I was hopeful that he could just find like some more garbage points around the rim he's really struggling from two right now Wiseman um uh, and anything that you wanted to say uh about him in, a, in these last few games uh no I, I think I'll, I'll wait a little bit longer it's been supr- the only thing I'll say is I hoped to see more defensive flashes I mean every once in a while like his the crazy length of yeah. his like of his arms but he, he had a couple in the third quarter getting stops on Lillard and McCollum yeah like the, some of the, the tools are are still largely there but we know that def- a lot of defense especially for a big man is, is mental and he has to adjust I mean remember the guy played basically three college games and that's all he's done since high school so but you know there's also the counter that generally with the best defensive players you see it pretty early so we'll get there um just briefly on Steph Curry season so far um he's, he's definitely had some had some shooting struggles he's at 58 percent true shooting right now on 32 percent usage if you want to compare that to 18-19 his last full season 64% true shooting that year on 30% usage so pretty similar but obviously the usage is different because had a very different team back then and the the other I mean you brought up the lack of shooting and passing Wiggins and Oubre have had these really challenging starts the season Kelly Oubre's current PER is two well two and he's got a relatively high usage I mean it's kind of sad that this his terrible three-point shooting which is now at one out of 25 I think he missed his first 21 threes and this is a guy who was like competent last year you know he's not a four percent three-pointer he shot 35 percent last year and he even made four in a, four in a game in the preseason and it just everything is like really in his head right now i mean there's plays where he's now you know doing the passing up shots trying to cut to the rim when guys are throwing it to him in the corner and like messing up the spacing that way um so it, he's really having a struggle he's had just some ridiculous dunks this year that have just been completely lost uh yeah deep, deep yeah. 
proportion of his made field goals being highlight plays is actually uncommonly high because he only has 17 made baskets on the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like... Wiggins, he's up to 42% on threes right now, but he's shooting 36% on twos. And not only is, I mean, some of this is the Warriors spacing and, and also, you know, will regress the mean. 29% of his shots are in the restricted, of Wiggins shots are in the restricted area. And Wiggins is making 39% of those, which is horrendous. But you expect that that will improve with time. But Wiggins isn't making yeah. any of his he other actually, twos He actually like, looks well, pretty bouncy when problem. he loads up he's just not making any of these and you know he, they played against the box uh, that's part of the problem but it's uh yeah I, i'm uh it, it hasn't been an encouraging no no it's not but but let's we can talk more about the portland trail well no, I, I sorry i got more on the warriors still okay go ahead um so just some some more thoughts from that game they just have nowhere to be the offense is incredibly clunky guys don't even know the set plays not much less doing this like warriors flow type of stuff uh you know the, a couple of microcosms they run a play out of halftime for Andrew Wiggins and he has to be told where to go then he curls back door they throw it to him there is no spacing because someone was sucked in from the weak side and they turn it over uh, on another play Steph drives how many times have we seen it he drives kicks it out to the top dream on green is in the left corner he's getting ready to set a screen for Steph Curry coming off of that penetration it's going to be a wide open left corner three for Steph Curry oh no they threw it up top to Andrew Wiggins who has no idea that that's what they're trying to do and he travels trying to drive before I even wait for stuff to get out there uh and not to crap on Wiggins because it's been a problem for everyone and then when they try to get into some set pieces anytime they've tried to run Steph Curry off the ball against any of the good teams that they've played those teams have known exactly what's coming they just topside it there's yeah, no Portland way Portland in get particular did a great job of that yeah absolutely yeah and Portland uh Brooklyn in particular or and Milwaukee just put Drew Holiday or Dante DiVincenzo on Steph and just had him follow him around and, and so that wasn't really working I mean I, Steph you know this I, it's too early to say you know he's 32 percent from three but he's gonna have to take a lot more off the dribble attempts he has been missing some that he would normally make but the only time they've been able to get anything going at all has been high pick and roll with Steph when he really just kind of goes into the crazy takeover mode which he'll usually try and do late in the third quarter uh Eric Paschal is easily the second best offensive player on this team and yes he has a lot of limitations defensively but Steve Kerr just needs to find a better way to use them because these guys can't score and whether that's having him handle the ball have Steph screen for him uh whether it's have Steph screen for him off the ball you know they should they should definitely try that set that's become really popular the Lakers and the Clippers Ty Lue I think is the one who really started it, where you get the ball at the elbow and then have a good shooter guarded by someone's small screen for a good post player out of the corner uh you know that's one that they could get to it's uh it's looking really ugly and then I mean James Wiseman I know there's a lot of hype about his dribbling and shooting but like he's been worse than I expected I'll be honest and it's such an unprecedented situation for him with him just kind of not having played in so long and not having had any kind of a training camp or anything either but you know if you take the analogy of like Mitchell Robinson for example like Mitchell Robinson didn't look like this raw and wasn't making this many mistakes um and he sure as hell wasn't shooting 39 percent from two as well and not all of that even is the jump shot either but again I'm not saying Wiseman is going to be terrible I'm not saying he's going to be a bust but I was just hoping to see more from him uh you know there's just some like odd facets of the game like he holds the ball 
really oddly. Uh, he just doesn't really seem to have the greatest hand. He doesn't have a great feel for finishing. It's just, uh, and he's talked about how slow it's been processing things. But yeah, let's move on to Portland now. I, I apologize for that, but I had hey, got to empty out the notebook that's, here. That's fine. Um, the Blazers are three and two. Their net rating is negative 1.2 per 100 possessions, which is 17th. Fifth in offense, 28th in defense. Uh, 538 projects them to finish with 41 wins, which is tied with Dallas for sixth in the West. Raptors, 66% chance of the playoffs. Elo, 60%. Also note, uh, Rodney Hood is going to miss their game on Sunday due to a left quad strain. And I talked with Seth Partnow on Real Jam Radio this week, and we were talking a little bit about the Blazers. And a point that he brought up that I, I had thought about but hadn't really pieced together is that Portland right now for the season is dead last in half-court defense. They're giving up 104.6 points per 100 possessions there, which is, which is as I said, 30th in the NBA. And when you, so the first part of that is what would you consider what we thought they were going to be? That is a big problem. But I did a little bit of digging. And do, do you want to try to guess what the half-court defensive rating is when Ennis Canner is in the game? <laughs> well, can, can we do it with uh, Carmelo Anthony on the floor with him too? I, I can do that too. I have to pull that, but I can. Yeah, let's, uh, well, let, all, let's okay, try so Canner first. I'll do Canner first because I already have that pulled. With just Canner, 124. And with Canter plus Melo, yeah, this is half court, by the way. This is half court, 124. Half court. Yeah, and, and sorry, what was the last one? 129.3, Melo plus Canner. <laughs> 118 possessions on the on the dynamic duo yeah and they finally went away from cancer a little bit they put this is when they were playing well against golden state they put gave harry giles a shot he's he's actually he looks very thin and athletic compared to where he has been which is ironic because he got his third year option declined because vlade divots wasn't pleased with his offseason work i think he's done better in that area he set a couple of illegal screens early i'm not sure whether he's going to be a plus defender but you know, he actually in the preseason game that i saw he got up for a couple of blocks and you know I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to think, Danny, that Ennis Cantor, who until the last couple of games, like there's a one point at which he was like shooting over 80% from the field that like someone like that can not be helping you. But I mean, that's it's been well, the it, case. It, it gets into something that's very important. And we're not talking about the Wizards in this. And it's like with, with Thomas Bryant, too. If it's The most important thing in most systems that a center can do is defend. And if it, it oftentimes it doesn't matter how it, it helps, how if they're great offensively, but it's harder to overcome a bad defensive center, which is it just so important and i also don't want to let the starting five off the hook because then we brought up that oh yeah half court defense is super bad when when ennis canter's on the floor that's true but when he's off the floor so that's usually starting five or something close to that starting five closing five that kind of stuff 112 defensive rating which is still bottom third of the league so that group has struggled more than we would anticipate as well now i think some of that will get will get a little bit better you can look at you know what, what giving up too many shots around the basket a few other things but yeah. it's i it it is it is still a little bit concerning that this early especially when like one of their games is against the warriors who we know are terrible yeah. offensively and I, they got i mean they're they're giving up average three-point shooting for the season yeah. like it's not like that this is like it's not like the nuggets point. yeah um, so i'm i'm a little bit i'm a little bit concerned about the blazers but not like a like, catastrophic yet yeah i thought that Derek jones jr defensively has been as advertised although sure. i will say it, it was pretty hilarious watching he, he and kelly Oubre in warm-ups on friday night and i'm about to go see them again but he and kelly Oubre in warm-ups on friday were <laughs> both shooting at the same time and like both of them were hitting like less than 30 percent in like their pregame shooting routine it was miserable and then of course Derek jones jr comes out and bangs his first three of the 
game uh but yeah i mean he he's he's not getting guarded it's gonna be a little bit of a struggle for him but i mean what an it was my first time i think really seeing him in person in a while and just like his effortless leaping is just like breathtaking to see in person even from the top of the lower bowl where we're sequestered these days not that actually uh, I, the irony is that the seating the media seating at, at uh chase is better than it usually is but uh he's been as advertised defensively I, I think you know he's been tough to iso against i thought he did pretty well against lebron in that game that we talked about the other day you know carmelo anthony they've still been going to a lot of the carmelo iso game on the second unit and he has not been efficient from two and shooting only 41 percent. and annoyingly he's only taken eight threes on the year although he's uh four out of eight and i think he actually really still works best as a spot up sure we haven't seen him play the very much at all with mccollum and lillard and it does seem like you know we'll see what happens when they actually play a close game uh, of whether he's in their closing lineup or not but he hit a couple of big threes at the end of the first half where they're playing him at center against golden state uh when golden state went with pascal and draymond together and you know carmelo is a really good spot up three-point shooter and i think he's kept himself in decent shape you know he hasn't been as terrible defensively as he's been in the past uh, but i think this let's bring him into the post and shoot 41 percent on two-point jumpers and that's all he's going to get that's not really particularly inspiring to me uh i think they might want to move away from that and try to feature him more just, uh, as a spot-up shooter uh, olympic mellow as uh, has been talked about for so long um we'd be remiss in not discussing cj mccollum's scorching start to the season yeah. from three yeah cj so far for the year 24 of 50 or sorry that's twos uh 26 of 57 he's actually shooting almost exactly the same percentage on twos and threes right now um that's 46 percent, which is ridiculous lillard's at 35 percent now got has gotten a little bit better over the last week or so yeah well and, and just both those guys together the volume of threes they're getting up like those guys are taking basically 20 threes a game between the two of them yeah 21 right now actually which is incredible and then jones and Cov- covington are not taking a ton which you wouldn't expect and then uh but yeah i mean they're get- the blazers are getting what they want from those two guys and that's a part of why i'm not super cons- like i'm not super concerned about that the defense you know i the- that was the variance for me was basically they'll have a good offense where will the defense fall i don't think they're going to be this bad throughout the season but if they're more like the 23rd best defense as opposed to the 15th then that's going to lower their seating and everything else um yeah i mean they're two starting forwards just cannot hit anything i mentioned Derek jones three-point shooting he's actually 33 percent on three a game somehow he's shooting 30 percent from two yeah. I, I i'm gonna have to go back and look at how the hell that's possible and robert covington has been way off from downtown i mean he'll just go through these cold streaks like i expect him to pick it up and get to 34 percent well on here's the, year. the he's at, here's the stunning stat on Derek jones jr he's shooting 36 percent around the basket that's incredible all right let's move on now to the next team in alphabetical order the houston rockets after a sweep of a home and then the same team playing again at home as COVID double. Home that's what home. i'm calling it what is it a COVID double so it's just you play the same team again same place uh, yes i we're working on it workshopping yeah i think someone's help us out here neither of these are any yeah good. <laughs> uh they are two and two they beat sacramento twice in a row the second without james harden who missed it with a sprained ankle he actually stepped on john wall's foot on a late inbounds play um so it was definitely a legitimate injury and they were very fastidious about saying it's not related to trade discussions but i believe them on that one uh they are ninth on offense but a pretty miserable 24th on defense which uh watching them against sacramento i think they are gonna be in that area 
around the entire year but they project right now assuming that James Harden sticks around for 44 wins which would be fourth in the conference 83% chance to make the playoffs per Raptor 59% per ELO and let's start by talking a little bit about the aforementioned James Harden the defense is uh back to kind of 15 16 levels with Harden there's been much talk about how heavy he looks Uh, I will echo that uh they've tried doing some non-switching this was a a big question for me of like what was their defensive system going to be now that they had Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins and there was one play where Harden got matched up on Buddy Heald and they brought Buddy off a weak side pin down and James Harden uh, did not get through that's funny (laughs) uh so we're gonna see a lot of that uh but still Harden has these instincts where you'll see him just like watching and be like oh man he's being so lazy and then like somehow someone will just throw a terrible pass that just like hits him right in the stomach he just happens to be in the right place still to get some of these steals it's it's pretty hilarious it it kind of reminds me uh so when i was in college uh, that was when the the wii came out and one of my what like one of my friends was morally opposed to the wii trying to make him move so his life goal became playing the nintendo wii while moving as the minimal amount that you could like that's (laughs) basically james harden on defense is like how could i succeed while doing as little as humanly possible and i kind of admire it but also don't that's pretty funny that he must have been enraged when they would i remember like if you would play it for two straight hours it would show like this little graphic of like an open window with like the curtains blowing it's like maybe you should take a break and get outside i'm like no dismiss I'm gonna, keep, <laughs> I'm gonna beat this level um so a little more on Harden uh he's shooting the ball exceedingly well so far Danny yeah the step back is really working what is he from three it's gotta be like well over 40 percent I think yeah he's 45 percent right now 15 of 33 so four, yeah 45.5 yeah and that's in three games so he's of course getting up more than 10 per game the drives he's and the finishing it's so interesting watching him because with the threat of the step back and his jumper he still is enough of a first step where he can at least get a slight advantage on these kind of skinnier guys who are guarding him like he did this against Tyrese Halliburton on Thursday and once he just gets like a shoulder into you but not you know he's not really beating you but he's just so much stronger that he can just like continue plowing through you legally because you're not actually technically in his path so he hasn't beaten you by that much if you're a skinnier guy but you're just gonna like keep getting knocked backwards and then he'll get in and either get a foul or uh you know attempt a layup he does he's kind of doesn't have the explosion anymore obviously he's not getting good extension he's kind of doing a little bit of the jason tatum just like shoot a layup with two hands when you get into the basket but he's better at drawing fouls obviously but he is very much looking for contact on these drives and good rim protecting teams i mean if he goes into a center who's at all in position like he's just not going to score over him anymore at this point but i mean so harden we'll see where he's at if the shooting reverts back to his normal kind of 36 37 percent type of range uh, but i mean the one thing that he still remains awesome at is he's just one of the best pick and roll passers ever either that quick slip pocket pass or the over the top that's what the rockets have been doing a ton of and christian wood is one of the best guys in the league of this of just coming up to set the screen and then immediately slipping it quickly whether the other team is switching or not harden just throws that pass right over the top john wall's great at throwing that pass too and whether it's an alley-oop or just hitting christian wood on on the quick slip for a dunk i mean they've gotten that play so many times it looks awesome how about uh john wall danny yeah so i watched their game the the rockets game on saturday which was the one when james harden did not play uh the Rockets beat the Kings 102-94 and so that became more of the John Wall show because James Harden wasn't there and the place to start is 
that John Wall looks great physically. I'm not going to say he's all the way back, but he is closer to back than I, I, I genuinely... I mean, he's... I've said this before about guys coming back from injury, but he's certainly no worse than you would expect 30-year-old John Wall to look. Right. And to me, he looks better than he did in that last season that he was playing the... Uh, I guess that would have been 18-19 when he really was struggling. Yeah, and so Wall, he's has enough speed to, to be effective and still, still a wonderful passer, like to the weak side. Remember, that was something that he was really good at finding three-point shooters when he was on the Wizards. I think that that has largely held. What has he, been? A, he's been well, finding dudes who like don't even realize they're open. Like there was one yes. play where Harden was just sort of standing on the block, getting ready for a screen on the weak side, and guarded by Buddy Heald. And John Wall just loops a pass over the shoulder of Heald to James Harden for a layup. And Harden was like, "What? Okay, I guess I'll shoot this wide open layup that you just got me." It was. He, he's had some great passes to Wood as well. I mean, it looks really like his vision. It it was. Uh, it's just been a joy to see him back and playing. I mean, he does some great things out there. Yeah, and, and the way that it encourages other teammates to be active. And the only demerit offensively that I have for Wall is, and I think this was true in both Houston, both in Houston Sacramento games, was he can get a little bit confident in his jump shot, which is so funny when you think about the criticisms early in Wall's career, and just just can be a little bit a little bit aggressive there. And there were times where I was just like, don't settle for that jump shot. Like the Kings aren't stopping you. Just just get by a guy and. You know, he is driving a lot, and sometimes you don't want to do that every possession, especially in, in the Saturday game when Harden wasn't available. So it was really Wall and Eric Gordon who were handling running the show. Yeah, it's a, Wall 4 of 16 from three, and, you know, he still is not, has some of the same weaknesses that he had in Washington. But where he's really been able to get guys is particularly with these great pick and roll players that they have now, with like Wood, when the defense is just kind of leaning the other way, or Wall will kind of do this thing as well where it's like he comes down in transition seems like they've stopped he'll sort of like walk the ball out back towards the top of the key and then quickly cross over and then uh, drive in from the wing when the guy is just kind of relaxed in his stance and he's just blowing by guys with some of these moves I mean that just that from looking like he's totally relaxed and not even trying to attack to just a thousand miles an hour is so fast he's completely wrong footing guys with those transition has been pretty good he's shooting 60 percent from two which is uh, fantastic for him in, in these two games and yeah I think he's gonna get a little bit thirsty uh the defense he has made an impact defending the rim like he had one play where he forced Harrison Barnes to pass off on a fast break that was looking like it was going to be a dunk and he he called himself the greatest shot blocking point guard of all time in the media after that second Sacramento game and I'm like yeah yeah we've been calling you that for a long time John uh and he had a, he yeah. had a huge play uh, not as a shot block but he had a huge play late in that game taking the ball from uh De'Aaron Fox that was it, it, it was it was more springy John Wall than we've than we've seen on defense a lot this year but it is good that he can still pick a spot yeah and now he's picked his spots a little bit too much there's been times when he'll do the matador reach around from behind on pick and rolls instead of competing to get over the screen and stay attached to his man and there's also his transition defense is not amazing there's one play where he was just standing in the corner and james harden went into his iso ball game went for the step back missed it and then john wall i mean if you're a guard standing in the corner like you got to get back and john wall just basically like walked back i mean he'll he, he definitely uh, I mean, I think the stat with Washington 
was telling where they looked at who does the most walking over the course of, of a game and John Wall was at the top of that and James Harden also at the top of that so you never want like two of your players to be high in the uh who does the most walking statistic and Wall Wall looks better than that is effort overall effort level has been better and he's clearly just so happy to be out there and so enthusiastic most of the time but he does have some bad habits and let's hope that once the novelty of being back wears off that he doesn't fall into those again um a couple other just small things on the Rockets DeMarcus Cousins his three-point shooting has looked pretty good he's been aggressive there on some pick and pops his face-up drive game is atrocious he needs to just get rid of that he's too slow he turns it over a ton he had a, a series of just miserable turnovers in the third quarter of that Sacramento game but in the post he's been able to beast guys a little bit and you know defensively it's a struggle for him they tried doing a little switching um I didn't see this game I just saw about it on Twitter Danny but uh I'm guessing it didn't go too well and they had to kind of go back to a conventional pick and roll defense in that second yes, Kings game absolutely yeah the, the the defense in in game two was really brutal from the centers uh Christian Wood who's had a you know he's had a wonderful offensive season just briefly and we'll talk a lot more about him in future weeks yeah. 24 points 11 rebounds for Wood so far um they were both the combination of bad and foul heavy like it was kind of both they were letting a lot of things through they weren't Wood cleaned up a few messes but I, I thought that the overall did a bad job and then that led to a real game break in this one so it was a defense optional game for the first two quarters and then the third quarter was just a little bit shaky I don't I thought both teams were still bad defensively but they just missed shots and then what happened was Cousins and Wood were both in foul trouble I think that was part of it and I think maybe part of it was Steven Silas just being like crap I need to try something else so he went with an all small lineup but it wasn't and so I like that the Rockets broadcast referred to it as the Tate wagon instead of the Tuck wagon because PJ Tucker wasn't out there they just basically went with guys that weren't centers and they switched a lot and what happened was in the early part of it Sacramento and this this will kind of be we can do transition to sack Sacramento didn't have the offensive weapons to attack that like basically the idea of a switching defense as we know from the Rockets in years past is to turn a team into a one-on-one into a one-on-one system find the find the mismatch but the Kings didn't really have many mismatches so they were just stalling and that really worked and then Sacramento's offense just never got back into it they had two points in the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter and by that point even though the Rockets were only up like 10 the game was basically over yeah and by the way we're probably going to start hearing some like Christian Wood all-star buzz because he's averaging 24 and 11 if you're the center you probably need to have a better than 116 defensive rating when you're on the floor for you to get serious all-star consideration for me especially considering that with Christian Wood off the floor they have a 94 defensive rating in part I'm sure driven by that stretch that you were talking about uh to make sure I don't forget I'm going to do Sacramento stats yes yes uh Sacramento three and three uh negative 1.7 net rating is 18th in the NBA 17th in offense 22nd in defense 538 projects them to win 32 games which would be tied for 11th in the west Raptor gives them a 18 percent chance of making the playoffs ELO 37 percent and unfortunately especially in some ways for our league pass broadcast but also of course for the Sacramento Kings Tyrese Halliburton has a bone bruise in his left wrist he will be reevaluated next Friday he'll be reevaluated next Friday so that means he's missing at least the next week of action and that was a big part of also why Sacramento's bench couldn't score on that switching Houston scheme was that they just didn't have they um, Jason Jones piece talked about him as a connector and I thought that was a good description of what Hal Burton has done so far yeah did you have any other Kings thoughts uh, on that Saturday game I wanted to talk more about Hal Burton but since we're on the subject yeah I, so the the one one of the real frustrations with Sacramento I mean Corey Joseph has done I think a solid enough job as a backup guard in, in some of the other Kings games that I've watched but he really did struggle there they used Kyle Guy a little bit and Guy can you know he can he can hit some shots he didn't in this game but I thought that Luke Walton could have you know he could have tried some stuff Harrison 
Harrison Barnes was talking about how uh, like about how to attack a switching defense and it, they just seem so passive and that was a, a real frustration De'Aaron Fox had a few really nice moments had a had some had some highlight defensive plays but also you know had some blow buys and everything else got to the line 10 times but the possession by possession dominance just wasn't really there from him and De'Aaron Fox is taking 17 percent of his shots at the rim that is not yeah. a very good number for him and you know he, he gets to the line and part of that is, is by attacking but I mean just a lot of mid-rangers uh, from De'Aaron Fox and he's also shooting 24 percent but from but three. honestly it's possible that a part of that is playing playing two bigs I mean we've seen some of these other teams that don't have limited four spacing that they're th- that the guards are suffering some of the consequences because they just can't get the shot yeah I have a feeling uh Marvin Bagley may not be in the starting uh his oh you mean you mean you mean the trade is going to be the trade to the second lot to the second unit yeah his father tweeted a trade trade request I mean now this is his father you're not responsible for what your family members do thank god but it oftentimes can be a, a window into a player's thinking uh he tweeted it then deleted it then quote tweeted someone else with a screenshot of his deleted tweet <laughs> uh which was a little weird but I, I mean Bagley has just been a complete disaster and he's got 26 usage but 9.4 PR he did have a couple of nice rim protection plays in the Thursday game against Christian Wood but other than that he's just not really doing anything he's not taking very many threes that's not what his game is supposed to be anyway but the point I've been making about him for the last two years is the stuff that he's good at isn't even working not to mention the defensive and shooting limitations that make him a hard fit with others and I right, th- like Bagley's he's shooting 39% on twos and 57% in the restricted area which are less than a third of his attempts so and he's not great defensively he's not really doing a ton on that end that was the whole like it's it's just not there and yeah. so I'm against sure- the Rockets they made him like the backup center instead of white side just because it's the Rockets and he wasn't really able to do much there either even with you know playing center which is his natural offense yeah it's his natural offense offensive position but Bagley is not enough of a natural rim protector and so I think that playing you know basically the chat one of the interesting questions and you and I talk about this a lot when a front office turns over is when a high draft pick isn't looking good the people who selected that player have a they have a higher investment in making trying to make them happy and look good and everything else well Monty McNair doesn't have those same pressures now I mean I would say that if you can find a find a team that still thinks Marvin Bagley is good yes trade him if you can but assuming that is not reasonable the kings would be better off not starting him and i mean they're they're i mean i i think they're a totally viable you know team if they played whether it's harrison barnes at the four or more b elites i remember they got glenn robinson the third for a partially guaranteed minimum contract this is not a team that is hurting for forward depth go with players who can actually help you and then if bagley earns a place higher do it yeah their closing group in the game on thursday was halliburton even with the bruised wrist uh, and don't worry we'll, we'll get to him Kings fans but to fin- finish up on Bagley and so they took they took Bagley out and made Harrison Barnes the four with that group but I, I thought a perfect example of where Marvin Bagley is right now is he gets the ball in the post against what he perceived to be a mismatch you know it might have been like Daniel House or someone not like you know a tiny guy and angrily waves away Buddy Heald to get out of his way so he can iso on the right side of the floor going to his left hands and then immediately turns it over and gets stripped as he tries to do his one move getting 
to the middle uh and it's just like man this is this is real ugly uh so let's talk about Halliburton now though oh yeah I mean so Halliburton having a wonderful first five games of his rookie season coming off the bench for the Kings but 71 percent true shooting only 13 percent usage but that's the role that the Kings are putting him in and he had a couple of huge plays like he's one of those has been one of those players who doesn't start but still can can be in the crunch time lineup Halliburton is hitting half of his threes so far and 57 percent of his twos and uh, like that I use the Jason Jones wrote that wrote a piece both on summarizing the Saturday game and the Bagley trade request for athletic subscribers I'd recommend reading it to get into some of that stuff um and they did really miss Halliburton there just because he makes good decisions the ball doesn't stick with him and that's part of why you and I liked him so much yeah and the shooting has been the best part he's he shoots that weird set shot but it's a quick release he can get it off fast in the corners 10 out of 20 from downtown you mentioned the 50 percent and not shooting a ton you mentioned 13 percent usage i think if they wanted to bump that up a little bit the way to do it might be trying to bring him off some screens off the ball and if they're going to play him with buddy healed i think having both those guys coming off screens could be an interesting look for them uh and to also spread the floor for De'Aaron fox to do a little bit more i've liked the way that the kings have used him he has been at times he'll play some with joseph but he also has been the primary point guard on the second unit at times and we mentioned that for a point guard prospect his handle was one of the worst that we've seen and it's still not great you know teams haven't kind of figured out that they can pressure him up yet if he's bringing it up but what they've done because he is a very good decision maker in pick and roll if he can get the advantages instead of making him have to dribble set up the screen rub his man off they'll run a lot of dribble pitch action where he is fast he can get the ball on the move and then come off a screen headed downhill to that right hand and then he can either go for a layup attempt along the lane line or spray the ball out to shooters or or find the roll man so i think they've done a good job of putting him in position to succeed when they have had him attack off the dribble anything else on the kings are we ready to move on yeah De'Aaron fox it's just kind of it's just okay right now yeah i mean i've been very i've been very frustrated with that it it doesn't seem like he's come back with a ton of new tricks and it's it's hard to see where it like what the fruit is the lowing fruit is for him to get better uh you know they haven't been running that much at least i haven't checked their pace stats but it doesn't look like they've really just been like running it down people's throats the way they were two years ago either um yeah so who's up next here now the la clippers the clippers are four and two despite the ass kicking at the hands of the denver nuggets or sorry the dallas mavericks i don't know why i got that wrong um they're eighth in net rating plus 4.5 first in offense 25th in defense 538 projects them to win 46 games which is second in the west 92 percent chance of making raptor playoffs and elo 80 percent health note marcus morris is has already been ruled out for sunday's game and he still has not played this season we don't really have a timeline on when morris return nicola batum is still taking his spot in the starting line yeah we mentioned that that batum it has been solid for them early some of the things that i've liked for them is they're taking more threes they're hitting them at 39 percent. that's fourth in the nba uh now defensively it's not like opponents have been lighting them up from three they're uh, allowing a below average 33 percent from three as well uh paul george has been absolutely on fire hitting 45 percent of 8.5 three-point attempts per game batum has been shooting it well also we talked about how the spacing of serge ibaka has been a big boon for them patrick beverly is 46 percent canard is shooting it well though you'd like to see him get a few more up there and maybe i'll I'll talk about him a little bit he's been working as a spot up guy 34 percent of the time per synergy and pick and roll ball handler 22 percent of the time obviously as a spot up guy he's uh, one of the better ones although sometimes it's driving off a closeout rather than just shooting the ball um so that's his it's kind of about what 
what you would have expected from him it'll be interesting to see how his role evolves a, a little bit interesting to see if they try to get marcus morris some reps on the second unit see if they want to like get him into his like mid post iso game a little bit Kawhi is kind of he's been solid but you know i'm not loving the way he's looked he did go against the jazz obviously you watch that game right uh yeah so, so that was that was an interesting one how, how did you feel like the clippers looked in that jazz game i mean they they had a run but i would say i i was i was very disappointed with them in the first half of the game now rudy gobert was was excellent now so, so you had the the challenges that both of the that jazz opponents often have in the restricted area Kawhi only took three shots there and took six in floater range and now Kawhi generally you know he he can make those shots and they they didn't fall at the rate you know kind of might be a little bit more like the nuggets were the nuggets series the end of that series where it's like well they didn't go in and the, the other team did well but you know it's a little bit of the bounce and then paul george it was it was jump shots for him and that's not a huge surprise when you consider the success rate that he's had there but yeah the clippers in that jazz game they only took 16 shots as a team in the restricted area and 22 in floater range though as the clippers sometimes do they got to the free throw line a bunch that and so that so that helped kind of you know that i always think of that as like mitigating the numbers but yeah i didn't think why was 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 great had a few moments as paul george did when they were making that run but i never really i never really bought that they were going to come all the way back and win they, they got it to a single possession a couple of times but just didn't really have enough to get all the way over the finish line which was i guess a little bit concerning but not hugely devastating something i wanted to ask you was right now the clippers are 20th or worse in all four defensive four factors so that's opponent effective field goal percentage turnovers rebounds and free throw rate which of those are you confident will rebound or sorry improve and which of those do you think will not will stay you know in the bottom part of the league yeah well the freudian slip on the rebounding i think when they don't have zubats out there they're gonna struggle on the glass marcus morris isn't a great rebounder george and leonard you know those guys have size but they're not really great defensive rebounders either and serge ibaka has really struggled as a defensive rebounder for a while i mean even even going when he's playing center his teams usually do not defensive rebound very well which isn't the end of the world but they're allowing 27 percent offensive rebound right now so i think that's one where they're going to continue to struggle i think getting marcus morris back will help them just to get a little bit more size some of these bench units just don't really have very good defensive personnel uh so i think they can get better in preventing shots at the rim forcing teams to shoot a worse percentage around the rim as well so that's i think the field goal percentage a lot at the rim can be better i think not fouling can definitely get better you know those are the two that i would look at which are well, arguably I, the two most important i have one more um you mentioned that clippers opponents aren't shooting a great percentage from three and that's true but they are giving up 42 percent of opponent shots are from three and that is just devastating if teams aren't missing all of them and giving up 33 percent about of opponent shots are above the break threes and so that's a to me a concern and so that ties in with last year the clippers were third in the league in effective field goal percentage and so if you kind of shift some of those shots away from the rim and ideally away from three that'll help things that'll help things along uh i think as, as, i think the foul rate will, will get better as well but yeah i think your point about their defensive rebounding is a, is a fair one and they didn't force many turnovers last year we haven't seen like that huge like schematic switch from tyloo the personnel is pretty similar so i think that'll probably be week two so remember paul george on the all of the smoke podcast was talking about how he was used like ray allen and jj reddick coming off the screens which was pretty ridiculous uh so of course you know the new coach really going to change that right well last year paul george actually pick and roll ball handler a ton he said he wanted more pick and rolls well actually paul uh 33 percent 33.8 percent of the time last year as a pick and roll ball handler for paul george this year 32.9 percent 
I think you might have those flipped, but it's they're about the same. Ah, uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's up. It's up one percent this year. Uh, last year, coming off of screens, fourteen point three percent of the time. This year, coming off of screens, fifteen percent of the time. Last year, transition, fourteen percent of the time. This year, transition. I keep I keep transposing these. The point is, they're all the same. They're so similar that I can't distinguish between them. <laughs> he is basically the same in every possible category: transition, spot up, ISO. All of them are within basically one percentage point in terms of the frequency as last year. So uh, pretty uncanny similarity, but when he's shooting 45% from three, it looks pretty good. Uh, Here's a stat for you to finish out on them. Kawhi and PG have combined for zero dunks so far this year. Uh, It's interesting. But uh, Paul George apparently missed the only dunk that he attempted, and Kawhi Leonard has yet to attempt a dunk. Let's go to the Lakers. Lakers are four and two. They are third in net rating, plus 9.8 per hundred possessions. Fourth in offense, 10th in defense. 538 thinks they'll have the best record in the West and they'll make the playoffs. Uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope is questionable for Sunday's game after a sprained left ankle. And I think the the lens for, for us with this, and we can t- we'll talk about San Antonio, is that game that they had against the Spurs that the Lakers pulled out late on Friday. Yeah, they won the uh, home and stay home against the, the Spurs. Or uh, both of them were in San Antonio, so it was from the Spurs' perspective. Uh, and it was an interesting end to this game where the Lakers went small down on the end with Kuzma, LeBron, and AD in the front court, uh, along with Schroeder closing it. That was in response to the Spurs, who didn't have LaMarcus Aldridge for either of those two games, going with Rudy Gay at center down the end. They actually, the Spurs actually had Derek White guarding LeBron, and the Spurs were up for most of the fourth quarter. And the key plays, AD hit a couple of threes that he has been outstanding so far, shooting 47% from downtown, and then up to with 35 seconds left they go to the lebron post up back down against Derek white and no Derek white if you flop on a lebron post up with 30 seconds left in the game you're not getting that call and so lebron then just went up for an easy layup after white fell down and took himself out of the play um it, it was interesting actually the spurs it was white's first game of the season coming back from that toe issue and he looked predictably rusty but still played at the end to put him on lebron and then they went with Keldon johnson on ad i thought johnson did a reasonable job on lebron you know not like lebron got shut down or anything but johnson looked like strong and active enough that he was able to at least just not get destroyed by lebron but also worth noting that lebron can play at 60 percent speed these days and still put up a a nice game for himself uh lebron shooting the three has been pretty good as well 37 percent shooting a lot of those interesting that lebron under 50 percent from two as of now and we had that weird he had that weird game where he missed a couple layups early on that I, I definitely remember yeah i mean he is definitely lower than his usual at the rim right now 66 percent. he's missed some easy layups uh did that in the in the clippers game first game of the season that already seems like months ago <laughs> we've watched so many games since then but he's had the uh, the mid-ranger working okay it's really been floater zone where he's been struggling um montrez harrell coming off the bench 20 per 66 percent true shooting he is a very good regular season fit for this team Schroeder has been has been relatively efficient as well and so i i mean it, it's going to be kind of a waiting a waiting period for in, in that respect for those guys those new lakers because they are i mean they're going to be value adds in the regular season Schroeder is in the starting and often the closing five and then harold you know kind of depends on the game and gasol you know i i think that there are times when the offense looks beautiful when mark is on the floor but it it is going to be a more limited role for him, at least. He he's the one where you have the transition, where he's probably more of a postseason player than a regular season player. Yeah, and it'll depend on the matchup, right? 
if they're going against the Nuggets I think we're going to see a lot of Marcus Ole if the other team goes to Rudy Gay at center you're probably not going to see Marcus Ole at the end of games but clearly Frank Boga has really been just cycling through these closing lineups the Lakers they look every bit as good as they're supposed to I mean I think if you go through all of the contending teams they look the best to me so far and that's with them really easing into it trying out all these different combinations even at the end of game um you know that they had a game against Portland where you're putting Anthony Davis on Robert Covington and having Montrezl Harrell guard the center which obviously is you know not what I'd be doing if I was trying to win but maybe they want to just see how that looks and see how uh Harrell can defend in the main pick and roll at the end of the game the answer is not well but you could get a look at that at least and as you mentioned you know Harrell is pretty much looking right back to being the guy that he was last year and shooting 76 percent around the rim and his uh like little post-up floater game that like righty floater slash hook has been going in for him a fair amount as well well something else that I think is very good news preliminarily for the Lakers is that they I mean they're going to win games even if they do these laboratory experiments but also that it doesn't look like any other West contender is going to run and hide in terms of record so they might even be able to do all of this and you know beat teams when one of their guys is sitting key guys is sitting and everything else and still have the best record in the left yeah the other nice thing for them is their supporting guys have really been shooting the three exceedingly well yes kcp is 53 percent kuzma 41 percent schroeder uh has been 44 percent even west matthews had a brutally cold start to the year but he's up to shooting it at his normal percentage now Taylor horton tucker i mean we're talking only about four out of ten right now but that's uh they just have a lot of options um jared dudley i, I did see him play in garbage time briefly i think it was against the wolves and uh he's he's looking a little corpulent i mean not that he was going to play for them anyway with all the depth they have particularly at the four i think he's just kind of back as a veteran leader role and didn't want to leave la but he's uh he, he can pork up a little bit even in the best of times and this is not the best of times for him uh and i guess uh the last thing i can say is just watching ad go against guys like Jakob pertle and drew eubanks like he just kills guys like that like you, oh, you have to he was amazing in that if game. you don't have like a if you just have like a guy at center and you put that guy on it like he's just gonna br- like brutalize guys like that whether it's blowing by them slipping to the rim and pick and roll transition shooting the three his iso game it's just like he's become such a well-rounded player and it's gonna be a really interesting discussion when we do our top 10 players in the nba if he keeps playing like this of just you know, where exactly to rank him let's move on to the but- spurs who we started talking about here you want to give us their fundamentals please absolutely uh spurs are two and three they're dead even in net rating pure pure zero um so that's 14th in the league 18th in offense 13th in defense 538 projects them to win 35 games which is 10th in the west and raptor 30 percent elo 55 percent chance of making the playoffs worth noting that while Derek white did play on friday he's um not going to play on sunday and lamarcus aldridge has missed the previous two games and he is questionable due to left knee soreness yeah and remember lamarcus had that surgery as well shoulder surgery in the offseason although it was very early on in the offseason like you know april-ish and he missed the bubble and spurs did start 2-0 and then uh, have lost their last three to new orleans and then two to the lakers i think all of those have been at home but i don't think home really matters at all this year so i'm going to try to take that out of my lexicon uh, for now but aldridge had really struggled three games 9.4 per only played 78 minutes in those three games uh, as well 46 percent true shooting anemic rebounding as well he did have a few nice verticality plays against zion defensively in that new orleans game but he he really is struggling to move and the shot has not gone down for him yet he hasn't really been featured 
featured in the post very much so that's uh we'll see if he when he comes back from this knee soreness if it looks a, a little bit better but they've you know he's kind of more so than DeRozan who is actually having a great start to the year and is also shooting the three pretty well uh and you know at least looks a little bit better defensively playing at a larger position although he's still is going to always struggle there uh Aldridge and his kind of post-up game really doesn't fit as well he's kind of really reduced to being more of a spot-up guy or maybe pick and pop uh even in, in the good times for him and you know he, he looks like he's struggling pretty badly physically so far um what did you take away from that game they played against the Lakers on Friday I've really enjoyed how aggressive Keldon Johnson has been offensively that was not something that I saw coming when we, we so he was somebody we didn't watch film on when he was at Kentucky but it, it, going back to summer league his for rookie year and everything else Johnson taking 4.2 threes a game making 43 percent of them not sure that's going to yeah, continue he's shooting but he was, this I mean he was great in the Lakers game he shoots like this yeah. moon ball but it was definitely going in for him uh, in that but Lakers what game. will continue is his assertiveness and aggressiveness defensively you talked about the different assignments that he had in the Lakers game I also watched a portion of the Spurs game against the Pelicans and Keldon Johnson was the primary cover on Zion for extended portions that game and I thought that you know he, he didn't do a perfect job but Johnson continued competing and give him those tough tough assignments and he'll battle through it and that's very encouraging the idea being a you know kind of a lower usage but still capable starter I think that you know even if the like the true shooting and some of the three pointers don't necessarily fall at this rate the idea that he could settle into a role like that is definitely plausible for me and the fact that he's taken on these assignments and done pretty well I I really really like Keldon I agree the one flaw that he's had so far and he hasn't been asked to be a creator but uh, as a secondary playmaker just he's kind of going into thickets of bodies at the rim too much and 56 percent around the rim you know he's not a i think he's improved uh with his strength and his athleticism from his college days but still 56 percent around the rim and then uh really poorly from floater range so oh i thought you were going to talk about turnovers because he's also turning yeah yeah i mean that's another artifact of just trying to do a little bit too much and i I think that's something that uh, will come around and there is space for him to go uh, and attack the rim and as, as we mentioned i think he's someone who you know maybe he won't be like an unbelievable stopper but he has the physical capability to move his feet and not get run over in an iso uh, against some of the league's best guys uh, such as lebron james uh what else you got on these guys so the schedule is going to be challenging like i mean for for san antonio because they just had this double against the lakers then they play utah and go to la for the clippers and the lakers so i would expect they could absolutely win at least one of those games but i think they'll probably be two and six then they have the soft underbelly of Minnesota twice and Oklahoma City. So I think it'll be a question of when does Derek White, like when is he fully back? How does the team look then? I'm still pretty optimistic about San Antonio. I think that they can they can be capable on both ends of the floor. The young guys have looked have looked pretty good for them. And, you know, if they're if they're functioning well enough, if DeRozan, like he's playing well enough that they don't really want to move him. Incidentally, you could make an argument that maybe DeRozan plays well enough that the Spurs can actually get something for him. If so, do so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I, I'm liking what I've seen so far overall from them. Not a perfect start, but pretty good one. Yeah, I if Jakob Pertl continues to have 48% true shooting, I think I would probably want to lock in a, on that. Devin Vassell has, was in the rotation early, and I don't believe he played in that second Lakers game. And his shooting has been a little bit off, you know, 41% true shooting. It's looked okay for him. Drew Eubanks has played two games in 47 minutes and somehow an <laughs> 18% true shooting for a guy who should just be like dunking around the rim so we're gonna see some statistical outliers from guys early in the season uh one of those which is an outlier but uh, from a guy who has 
a great track record the last couple of years is Patty Mills shooting 53%. I'm sorry, I shortchanged him. 57% from three. He's 53% from two early on this season. Another guy who I think could potentially help a contender. It'll just be interesting for the Spurs management. How much do they stay in things? How much do they value getting into the play-in, which it looks like, particularly with teams like the Wolves and the Grizz and the Warriors really struggling. The Spurs, I think, should be in pretty good position to at least make the play-in as of now. So do they eschew opportunities to, say, move Patty Mills and take on some bad salary for him? Or you mentioned DeRozan as a possibility there as well. So this will be interesting to see Um, where it goes with them. Before we move on, one other thing. I I pulled up the Spurs shot chart in that Lakers game just because it was... I remember at the time thinking, this is really weird. And the Spurs took eight shots in the restricted area in the entire game. 28 floaters. They only made nine of those 28 floaters. And then they only took seven corner threes and 27 above the break threes. But they made... 12 of those 27 so the overall numbers looked good and it was just just so weird to see a team kind of take that I think some of that is you know the the shot deterrence that the Lakers have around the rim with with Marcus Gasol and, and AD and also like there were some big defensive play the Kuzma had a big defensive play late in that game but I just thought their shot chart was fascinating yeah I'd be interested to look at what the league median and, and averages end up being for number of shots at the rim per game and percentage of shots at the rim once we get a few more games under our belt just anecdotally looking at the shot charts so there's been a bunch of games where teams have had like single digit shots at the rim so that's uh and maybe i think the big trend is we are just not going to give you the rim under any circumstances following what the bucks and raptors have been doing so that'll, that'll be really interesting to look at but yeah i mean for the spurs to take 43 twos away from the rim not amazing but the lakers are obviously a good rim protecting team i think we can jump to the memphis grizzlies the grizzlies are now two and three they're 23rd in net rating negative 3.4 20th in offense, 21st in defense. 538 projects them to win 32 games, which is tied for 11th. And big difference between Raptor and Elo, 19% chance of making the playoffs on Raptor, 45% on Elo. I don't know if that relates to the John Morant absence or if both models incorporate that. Good news for Memphis is that Melton will be back on Sunday after his time in the medical protocols. Xavier Tillman, the 35th pick in the draft, is listed as questionable, and Grayson Allen is questionable too, so we'll see how those guys can play. And Memphis did get a nice, nice to get a, a win over over Charlotte. Holy crap, did the, did the Hornets play terribly in that game? 108-93 for, for Memphis. Their, their only other win was that victory in overtime over the shorthanded Nets in the game that John Morant was hurt. And so, I mean, we're g- just going to have to see, I think, over time, they've, they've had this split decision so far since Ja was out of what this team looks like in the interim. I'm I'm concerned that they're just going to fall short of the They'll fall short of the playoffs, where they, they might be able to squeeze their way into the play. Yeah, they've managed to squeeze out a few wins here in games you wouldn't necessarily have expected but there's just a a, even for a team that's well coached and kind of scrappy and has guys who play hard like this as opposed to say a team we're going to talk about in a second that's also missing their star uh you can kind of keep it going for a while but then particularly like an inability to score can really kind of set in on you a little bit and that inability to score manifested by one dylan brooks as a spot-up shooter he continues to be really really good 27% 27% of the time as a spot-up shooter and 
three points per possession there but pick and roll ball handler he is always going to struggle he can't get to the rim it's going to be a floater or an elbow jump shot every time and 0.73 points per possession as a, a pick and roll ball handler for dylan brooks they've tried running him off some screens on occasion that hasn't really worked that well either but i mean he's for better or for worse and probably for worse he's their primary creator really at this point i think one of the things that's really been tough for them and you mentioned this is just guys having to kind of just everyone has to go up a run right and, yeah and i mean some of the numbers for these guys uh, on the second group are, are grizzly right yeah they absolutely are i mean so tyus jones 39 percent true shooting so far this season and hasn't created enough offensively grayson allen who they intended to be the starting two he is well, I wouldn't say they intended him to be the starting two. That was supposed to be Dylan Brooks and Justice yeah. Winslow is supposed oh, to be the starting two. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, that that's a, that's a good clarification to make. But anyway, uh, Grace Dowell can't in anything. He's 41% true shooting and 19% on threes, 33% on twos in the early going for Grayson Allen. That is definitely, obviously, a concern. And then Brandon Clark, we spent a lot of time last year talking about his surprising success from floater range, 52% last year. Small sample size, 27% so far this year. Yeah, he just, the Grizz broadcast talked about how he struggled to round into form due to a groin injury in camp he hasn't had that same bounce I mean just his overall efficiency I mean he was one of the most efficient players in the NBA last year I mean I think there are times when he was flirting with 70% true shooting last year and he's under 50% right now and I think that'll get better for him and and of course not having John Morant to set him up is difficult I mean Morant was on pace for a really awesome start to the year and you know he had a 5.9 net rating still like their starters are not bad uh but then I, I mean there's really quite a dichotomy right you've got Kyle Anderson Ja Dylan Brooks and Valanciunas are the only guys in the positive and then everyone else on the team has a negative 7.2 net rating or worse and so that just shows you how much their bench has struggled and now that some of those guys are, are going to be starters and uh Desmond Bain has shown something shooting the ball but you know he's kind of been really low usage and doesn't do a, a bunch more offensively uh, can make some plays as a help defender just uh, executing his responsibility but he's someone maybe we'll lock in on more i'm sure in the future but you know him and grayson allen battling to be your starting two and your best shooter that's not where you want to be either john contra has shown some more shooting ability but that's never going to be you know what he's totally about they're playing someone named sean mcdermott uh and gorgie deng's statistics have been an interesting oddity shall we say 24.5 per 66 percent true shooting oh yeah 21 percent usage yeah yeah, and so a big part of that is so is that Jang, 7 of 18 from 3 so far. So that's 39% on about a, a half of his attempt yeah. from the field. Yeah, that, that all sounds great until you look and see that he has a negative 20 net rating. <laughs> yeah, and, and a part, part of that is that their offense has been so Yeah, I, I mean, it's up. not. Well, yeah, they also have a 119 defensive rating when he's on the floor. But I, I mean, I'm not putting that all on him, obviously. Uh, but yeah, they are. Uh, they actually defend quite well when he's off floor but uh, yeah again i'm not gonna on him uh close your eyes for a second don't look at the stat sheet how old is gorgie jang 27 this is gorgie jang age 31 season holy sh oh because he was so old coming out of Louisville. oh he was old <laughs> he's age 31 season i mean he's been around yeah, for so, a while. He's so he, 
his his rookie year was his age 24 season i'd forgotten yeah about that. he's he's drafted in i think i've actually even gotten you on like that exact same thing at some point like back when, we were, yeah. it, when we were talking about minnesota on one of these years ago uh and speaking of which oh no let's discuss the wolves right now two and three oh, somehow no. they started two and oh had a, a rousing win at utah a less rousing win at home against detroit where they had to come back a, at the very end negative 18.1 net rating is 30th since carl anthony towns went down they have been non-competitive and two of those were against the la teams okay that's not the end of the world that's forgivable but then they came back and got completely housed by the whiz and i mean one of the biggest problems for this team 29th on offense right i mean defense 30th okay that's not a huge surprise to me but to be 29th on offense even without carl anthony towns but i guess if you really look at it like who's good on this offense like i mean d'angelo russell we saw him he's not he can't drive efficient offense on his own we've seen him fail in that when it was in brooklyn without the other good guards obviously last year in golden state and now this year as well uh the wolves still project for 32 wins their raptor playoff odds 15 percent elo six percent but those don't know that carl anthony towns is out at least indefinitely and uh what does their schedule look like going forward here i want to see if they can actually figure out at least a few wins before towns comes back who's supposedly week to week right next three games denver denver portland yeah it'll be a chance for denver to get healthy i guess yeah i i so i i when i was i was watching the wizards game and hearing their i I think no i obviously wasn't watching the wizards feed i was watching them jim peterson and dave benz do their thing um but i was thinking that every writer of you know like beat writer should have a piece ready about the 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 guys on their team that oh they're just they're looking to turn it around and this is what they're working on their game you know everybody has that piece in their in their backlog get those ready for when you're playing minnesota because there's a pretty good chance that that player is going to have a good offensive game because minnesota yes they're being hurt by josh Kogi being unavailable he's uh, has a hamstring strain he misses he's missing his fourth straight game on sunday but they just have so few good defensive players overall in the rotation i mean rubio can do some stuff at the one but other than that it's just really really brutal and remember ed davis is the backup center and then they and nazarene has actually had some decent moments in one of their earlier games that well actually he had some decent moments in the in, in this game more more offensive than defensive but he had some good stuff um but not like he's gonna clean up all their messes and everything else so yeah minnesota in they're in they're in real trouble i mean i i beat i picked their under and i felt pretty good about it because the the theory on offense and defense was a real problem i also don't think ryan saunders is a good nba coach some of that is coming to bear as well but i want to ask you a question so i mentioned that i recorded with seth on saturday and he specifically had a question to ask you during this 50 oh, yeah. 60 when i told him we were doing it and it was we're not going to relitigate the demonsa savona stuff but his point was basically about d'angelo russell's selection as an all-star last year basically like is is he another one in that conversation of like kind of like the worst all-stars uh well no i think it, for, well, it was two years ago but yeah yes. absolutely i mean he's he's up there with the jamal mcglores of the world and he to be clear he is much worse than demontis Sabonis. i my one regret about that tweet is that i didn't clarify that i was referring to an initial all-star collection or recall or selection recall that russell was a injury replacement i think for an injury replacement i want to say uh and so he was like a commissioner's selection but no i mean it, it's really bad and russell it's been a massive struggle for him under 50 percent true shooting turning it over like crazy 19 percent of the time still has 29 percent usage um not getting to the rim at all not getting to the foul line at all either he'd done a little bit better job of that in recent years i mean i think he's taking what six percent of his shots at the rim oh it's it's bad so uh jim peterson talked about it in the wizards broadcast 
broadcast. And that w- that's what made me want to look at D'Angelo's shot selection overall. 7.6% at the basket, 7.6% from floater range, and 10 total free throw attempts in five games, 145 minutes. And like you'd think, oh man, the three ball is just not going down for him. I mean, he's shooting 36% from three on 8.9 attempts per 36 minutes. That's uh, about where you'd want to be. Uh, big surprise, by the way, uh, this team cannot hit a three-pointer. That seems to somehow, no matter who they get, it always seems to be the case. 31% from three. As a team, some of these guys are a little bit better shooters than that. Like Beasley is 30%. You know, Towns only played a couple of games. He was 31%. But but Nas Reed is making 39% of his 5.7 per game in the games he's played. Worth noting. Yeah, but, it, you know, Jarrett Culver, uh, yeah, you know, I know he started off three of three. That was great. Uh, now he's uh, missed his last nine <laughs> from from three. Josh Okoge, Jake Lehman, Juancho Hernan Gomez. A beautiful symmetry as each of them are shooting 16.7% from three. <laughs> oh, sorry, and I should mention Nas Reed's. That was per 100 possessions. He's taking 2.6 yeah, per game. Uh, per the best three-point shooter on this team is Ricky Rubio. He's five out of 13 right now. Uh, Anthony Edwards, his overall stats, I mean, he he again had the one good game, 51% true shooting. He followed that one good game up with a six out of 21 against the Lakers. He is not going to rescue these guys in his age 19 season, to be sure. Yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a more detailed dive on him of at course. some point later. But Edwards did have some nice drives in the Wizards game. One of the challenges was that there wasn't really anywhere for that, dri- anything else for that drive to benefit. Um, and he, you know, he has had some possessions where he's gotten into it defensively. So we'll, we'll talk about it more later. They did play Jordan McLaughlin in this one. And that was, um, I still like seeing him on the floor, but it was another reminder of how silly it was to give up so many resources to get Ricky Rubio when they already had a capable backup point guard who somehow they got back on a two-way. And that's more just use of resources, not like Ricky Rubio's trash or anything like that. It's just, oh, if you have zero forwards and so you're starting Jarrett Culver as your starting four because one guy is hurt, then, and Okoge's not a four either, then you're going to run into some problems. This team has no good defense or very few defensive good defensive players and offense i mean they're just they're just not a good team and they're yeah. terrible without towns which we're not it's not a huge surprise and um so what one big question for minnesota is going to be okay so i mentioned denver denver portland then they have a double against san antonio and a double against memphis if they have trouble let's say they win fewer than half of those games considering job is going to miss both of those memphis games and then we don't know about Derek white i mean i hope he'll be back and playing well but we don't know um if if they basically make it through that stretch and they're still having trouble then 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 the disaster potential starts to really kick yeah also i mean i think it might be time to uh although he, he's gonna be around for a while because he got a three-year 21 million dollar deal watcher hernan gomez not a good no and considering kogi is unavailable and they're still bringing wancho off the bench that that was definitely not a concerning sign and they got absolutely rushed when the the so the starting lineup actually kind of held their own a little bit in the first half oh no no sorry they got crushed in the second unit brought him back in and then they never mind i had that completely wrong um we're not talking about the wizards but i will note that i thought denny Avdia did a nice job in that game just mentioning it briefly because i'm not we're not going to talk about that by the 15 and 60 i'll watch the wizards again um let's get to the pels new orleans four and two they've now completed the season sweep of the toronto raptors 13th in net rating 19th in offense 9th in defense projected to win 39 games which would be ninth in the west raptor gives the it gives the pels a 57 percent chance of making the playoffs elo 66 percent. yeah and i think this is going to be our first danny tracks this stat for every 15 and 60 the steven adams on off-court number when steven adams sits these are 
improvements after the Raptors game. They are first percentile in net rating, negative 24.4, first percentile in offense, 96.2, and fifth percentile, 120.6 in defense. And sometimes some of that like has been like, oh, look, the, the Pelicans have been so bad when Steven Adams has been off the floor. That means he's been great. He has been good. And the starting lineup for the Pelicans has done very well. Sometimes a big on-off disparity is more about who is who is on when you are off rather than that player themselves. And the Nicolo Melli and Jackson Hayes stuff, while it was better against the it was better against the Raptors, and that's why those numbers actually yeah, improved. Yeah, when Stan Van Gundy was like, "Oh, Jackson Hayes was so much better. He had six points and eight rebounds in 17 minutes, uh, and was didn't have a negative plus minus." And he, that's like getting you praise from the coach that you, you know it's been bad before that. He's latching on to anything he can find that's even remotely decent. And and the big challenge for Stan Van is that there aren't that many other front court options. Now, my belief is that they should try to go smaller more often. They ha- the, the, the Pels have some more guards they can try or some mixed lineups going more in that direction. But the starting five has generally done pretty well. And the other big concern for, for, for New Orleans in those minutes is that they've been using a fair amount of starters. Like the most common bench, the most common non-Adams lineup is Bledsoe, Reddick, Hart, Zion, and Hayes. Like that's four good players in Jackson Hayes. And there is the anomaly that that group is shooting 22.5% from three, the overall non, non-Adams minutes, and that's going to get better. Um, but that does obscure from some real positives in New Orleans. They had, they've had those two wins over, over the, the Raptors, who, you know, we thought were going to be a better team than their one and four record so far. And, you know, that, that the, the Pels starting five, I think has been good. Yeah. It helps to get 28 free throws in the fourth quarter alone when you're yeah. trying to beat the Raptors. Uh, yeah. The starting lineup, and I wanted to take a look at what it seems like with Zion and Steven Adams on the floor. Lots of fascinating extremes there defensively. They allow only 20% of shots at the rim. That is 99th percentile. And they are giving up a buttload of threes, 49% of opponent's shots from downtown. And they're giving up a fair number of uh, floaters as well, which is not the end of the world. Uh, But that's really where completely shutting off the rim. And that was a big deal for Stan Van Gundy. It was something that they were terrible at defensively last year. Remember, now keep in mind, this is with Zion and Steven Adams out there. This isn't the the bench units. But clearly, Van Gundy's public comments before taking the job have augured that they are just going to completely lock the room off. Zach Lowe talked about this uh, on his show as well. And then the other thing that's been fascinating is Zion and Steven Adams are both over 13% offensive rebounds. Now, some of Zion's offensive rebounds come with Steven Adams not on the floor with him. But overall, that unit is a great offensive rebounding unit, 33% offensive rebounds with both those guys on the floor right now. And then they're holding opponents to only 18% offensive rebounds, which is basically best in the league. And they never well, foul. Yeah, well. that's exactly where I was going get, to get to is that that was one of the other benefits of the Milwaukee approach with Giannis and Lopez has been not fouling. So you're not you're giving up one shot possessions and you're not giving up free throws. That group's also generated a fair amount of a fair amount of turnovers, which is which is helping. And yeah, they got Bledsoe, so, yeah. they got Lonzo yeah. with that group so that they can uh, Zion actually has been forcing a few more turnovers than he had been. Yeah, so it, it'll be fascinating to see. I, I mean, the approach, it seems like is going to stay the same in terms of like kind of maybe some 
the shot distribution stuff. But will will opponents become more efficient in those circumstances? I mean, they're making 36% of that ridiculous three-point frequency. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I, I don't know exactly where it's going with Pelicans. One quick small note I wanted to make on the Raptors game, I went completely insane at the end because they the the, the, the like kind of the definitive moment late was OG Ananobi guarding Brandon Ingram in isolation. And I thought OG did a pretty good job. Ingram's driving, driving towards the baseline, you know, not really getting too far. Norman Powell helps off of the strong side corner and fouls Ingram. Ingram gets those two free throws to basically salt away the game. And you have to trust your teammates in that circumstance. And he wasn't going to get anything on the reach. It just drove, it drove me crazy. But Ingram, full credit to Ingram for making the free throw. All right. I had a bunch of stuff on Zion, but I think we'll save that for the next time. Uh, Oklahoma City is Ben's team. We'll talk about them at the end. Let's move to the team that is tied for the best record in the NBA. The Phoenix Suns also have the best net rating in the NBA, plus 11.2, seventh on offense, so 113.2, and they are third on defense at 102, projecting for third in the West as of now, 45 wins, 88% chance of making the playoffs per Raptor. Elo has them at 90%. And the thing that stuck out to me, Danny, close your eyes for a second, don't look at my sheet. Who would you guess is the second leading scorer right now for the Phoenix Suns? I already know this. Damn it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it is dunked on favorite Mikhail Bridges. And part of that is Bridges shooting has 71% true shooting, only 14.3% usage. But when you're making every damn shot, you don't have to take that many to score a lot of points. Yeah, and that's been uh, one of the things that's been good for him is just a little bit more aggression for three, particularly coming down in transition where he's been outstanding. And it's all been off-ball stuff for him, but that's fine because they have plenty of on-ball creators with this group. Between spotting up and transition, that is basically 80% of Mikhail Bridges' offense right now. And he has been insanely efficient at both of those as you mentioned and then obviously he's an outstanding defensive player against any as long as he's not up against someone who has like a ton of bulk he's gonna cause real problems for that guy then uh bridges is scoring 15.3 points per game and devin booker who hasn't like really gotten going yet frankly uh is a little bit over 20 he is at 20.5 and then you just got a bunch of guys scoring in double figures cam johnson jay crowder chris paul is 13 DeAndre Ayton is 12 a game. Uh, so they've got six guys averaging in double figures. A little of that is just because some guys are injured and so that, that can bump that up. And then they've got another two guys, Campaign and Sharrett. Again, due to injuries, this is a little bit skewed, but averaging over seven points a game. So you've got eight guys on this team averaging seven points a game or more. Yeah, and, and something else that I've been keeping an eye on with the Suns, because remember they added in Chris Paul, is how, how what would happen with their free throw attempt rate? And they're, they're still bottom 10 in the league. And interestingly, I think this is going to change with Devin Booker, no player on the Suns is averaging more than four free throw attempts per game. Yeah, Paul, again, he's just been very much in chill mode to start the season and not shooting amazingly at all, only 43% from two and not taking a ton of three-pointers either, only three per game. He def- One thing that's a little bit annoying about Paul is that he will pass up open spot-up looks to try to yes. drive into traffic. Like he, does, he just never really had like great footwork. You know, he doesn't like catch it on the hop and get his three-pointer off. I mean, he's he can make shots when he's got time and space or or when he's off the dribble but you know that's fine they don't need chris paul to be going a thousand miles an hour right now he just finished up in the bubble and so i'm I'm not saying that he like looks bad or anything like that i mean they really just have not needed these like crazy performances you know booker it's been weird you know 
they've done a good job getting these other guys involved and part of the reason their offense is seventh is just because cam johnson and jay crowder and mikhail bridges and cameron Payne are making like all of their three-pointers you know their main guys haven't really been that great so far you know booker is only 3.7 free throw attempts per game which is way down and one thing that's hurting them a little bit is they're not getting out in transition the way they were last year they aren't getting those hit ahead passes to him so he can do those quick wing attacks and draw fouls before the defense is set which he does a good job of and he's also averaging six turnovers a game so there's still i mean he's gonna find his way for sure you know i'm, I'm not that worried about devin booker and i think chris paul is gonna do more as well what have you made of deandre ayton's season so far here i think he's been he's been all right um i mean offensively it's the same issues that you and i have had with him before that he's not aggressive enough try, trying to get to the free throw line he has should we call it vuchitis i don't know exactly yeah no that's a that's a great term for it and those guys actually have somewhat similar post games as like big strong guys who just nevertheless just don't make physical moves yeah and so this year with ayton I, i've liked a lot of what we've seen defensively just like the, the, the suns overall but he's even his proportion of shots in the restricted area has dropped significantly from 46% of his attempts to 35%. And I, you know, Aiden has solid touch on his jump shot. No, no real beef there, but I don't think that should be as big a part of his repertoire. And if he was a little bit more aggressive there, I think, I think it could really, it could really help the Suns. And, you know, he, he can be a part of a successful offense. I think that, he, that Aiden's strides defensively have been, have been definitely positive. He, you know, he was, as we mentioned, terrible his rookie year and took real strides in the second year and has, has continued kind of continue that moving forward but i remember i sam vicini and i talking about it the first time i saw Eden in person i think it was in high school and it's just like like he's just built differently and he just he just doesn't apply that as much as you wish and he can still be an effective player can still be a part of a good team but it, it, you just wonder if that switch is ever going to turn yeah and the post-ups i think it's just these guys are too good for him to be posting up yes. he's already got 25 post-up possessions last year was 0.78 points per possession this year it's 0.76 and it's just you can't really be efficient as a post-up player if you're not getting to the foul line that much now one nice thing is that he's kind of getting rid of these like spot up twos from the free throw line you know we're not seeing as much of that kind of stuff uh, as we had before but it, it's interesting he hasn't really been like that efficient either it, it's not sure how he's going to fit into this group offensively i mentioned he's only down at 12 points a game and that to me is a disappointment you know defensively i think he's been fine you know we haven't seen those terrible errors that we saw from him earlier very interesting though again I, this is very much luck based and but something we'll monitor 107 defensive rating when Aiton is on the floor which yeah, is still totally respectable uh but 86 defensive rating when he's off the floor so they're 21 points per 100 better when he is off the floor defensively but that's going to normalize to some degree i mean particularly when you consider their backup centers have been like frank kaminsky and sharich uh, played a game but and, Dam- and damian jones yeah i mean it's been they have uh done it really with a lot of these bench units as well and they have very good depth i mean you just look at some of these net ratings with like galloway campaign cam johnson those guys are all over a 20 on court net rating as of right now and this isn't necessarily with that split but i like the sun's defense i think that they will be good there but they are also one of the teams benefiting from intense opponent shooting luck Uh, their opponents are only shooting 31 percent from three that is the third lowest percentage in the entire league and so that makes and i think with the backup units that has been pretty prominent so the suns are giving up the third the third fewest threes so that's that's worth noting but teams just aren't making any of them and that's going to change but i do like where the suns are i think they're i think they're an absolutely unequivocally a playoff team and where they end up seeding is going to depend on health and where some of these guys start turning around offensively yeah another thing too is 
uh, they're able to keep the minutes down for Paul and Booker because they're getting away with playing campaign as the only real creator without those guys and they actually have a plus 7.4 net rating with Payne on and Paul and Booker off again very early that's only 41 possessions but they've been able to I mean we talk about these net ratings sometimes and it's not even necessarily that they are oh man this is going to keep up all year but more just it's a window into why some of the rotational decisions are being made you know as to what like if coaches see hey we're getting killed with this combination on the floor yeah maybe it won't be that bad but you're they're also just less likely to go back to that whereas if something is working they'll stick with it all right we got two more teams no one more team only one yeah because we've already talked about the blazers kings and spurs in line with some other stuff and so we have the utah jazz the jazz are three and two 11th in net rating at plus 2.1 12th in offense 14th in defense 538 projects them to win 41 games which is tied for sixth in the west 73 percent chance of making the playoffs per raptor elo 63 percent note that royce o'neill is probable for their game against the uh, for their game on sunday and Derek favors is questionable due to right knee soreness I talked a little bit about Gobert already, the win that they had over the Clippers on Friday, um, the 16 shots in the restricted area, 22 from floater range. But what I think is is kind of the place to start here is that the Jazz are three and two with some nice, some legit nice wins, even though Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich have been really shaky as scorers. So. Yeah, the, the off the bounce three from Mitchell, which is something that David Locke has talked about as being big for him, hasn't really come through quite yet. Uh, and teams, the Suns did this to them in particular in their nice win in salt lake not that that matters but you know some additional color salt lake might still matter yeah oh yeah i guess that's that's true yeah because it is uh that 4200 feet of ele- elevation there in salt lake but teams have really been concentrating on taking away the jazz spot up shooting and donovan mitchell has not been able to make them pay for that only 40 percent from two and 30 percent from three so far for mitchell and then only 4.1 free throw attempts for 36 minutes so so it definitely has been you know as we've seen some of these guys mitchell was so good in the bubble those first really five and a half games but has not been able to translate that uh, into being really good so far but that'll come around a little bit and uh bogdan as well i mean somehow bogdan is shooting 29 percent from two and has been like yeah you know like just miserable at the rim uh, yeah incre- incredibly three of the jazz five starters are 40 percent or below on two so far this year gobert's at 70 percent conley's at 50 percent then everybody else is below them. Uh, you mentioned Conley, though. I mean, he is having a really, really nice start of the season. He actually leads the Utah Jazz in scoring at 21 points a game, 45% from three for Mike Conley, leads them in assists at 5.2. I mean, he's been their best offensive player so far in this uh, his age 33 season. Yeah, I mean, Conley, 63% true shooting on 25% usage. And yeah, as you said, like the 8.43s a game is huge. And so like, if you think about Conley taking a step back, but then Boyan Bogdan, and Mitchell taking big steps forward. I think those will, I think the steps forward will more than offset Conley's step back. And something that I want to keep an eye on that I don't think this is going to be a track the whole season thing, but the non Gobert minutes ha- have been a real big problem for the Jazz so far. And remember, they're spending a lot and not necessarily like Clarkson it doesn't have to be on, you know, that doesn't have to fully offset, but that can be part of the theory. Um, but Derek Favors, obviously, who is dealing with that knee soreness is supposed to be a part of that. So when Gobert's off the floor, 
negative 10.6 net rating, 102.5 offensive rating. And the whole, one of the big parts of their spending was to get better in those minutes. Favors to me has looked better physically than he did in the bubble, but not like he did in New Orleans. I mean, his offensive numbers are awesome. I I don't think that he is the problem with their offense when Gobert is off the No, I don't think he's the problem with their offense in those minutes either. I mean, Mitchell has just not been, he hasn't been able to carry it. They just, they just haven't been good. Yeah, the Ingles, Favors, pick and roll hasn't worked that well, but it, it is, you do see the contrast where Favors basically, you know, is around 20% usage in Utah these last few years, goes to New Orleans last year, and he's down at 14% usage because he wasn't being used in the pick and roll. The Pels were not a great pick and roll team. He was playing some next to Zion, and now he's right back, 21% usage, 61% true shooting, 24 PR. Again, PR, very favorable to big men. He's been killing it on the offensive glass. Yes, he has. Uh, as well, 16% offensive rebounds. Um, what else you got on these guys? I talked about how the, the Jazz have really struggled when Gobert has been off the floor, but Jordan Clarkson having a relatively, has having an efficient offensive season, 61% true shooting on 26.6% usage. And what, just I kind of have to see what any of their young players step up. How, I mean, I, I just think that they'll, they'll be fine when Mitchell and Bogdanovich get back to it. And their defense has been totally, has been totally capable to me. And they play a mix, they play a bunch of like teams that you would expect them to handle. And then Brooklyn and Milwaukee as well in that mix over the next couple weeks. So I want to see, can the Jazz handle, because in terms of seeding in the, in the West, handling bad teams is in some ways more important than how you fare against good teams. So can they beat the Knicks and the Pistons and the Cavs, those types of teams, including a lot of those on the road, they have a road trip coming up, whether that matters or not, we'll have to see. Um, but then I, the games that I'm going to watch most intently personally will be Brooklyn and Milwaukee, depending on who is available for this game. Yeah. And worth noting too, they basically have stuck to that eight man rotation. Uh, other than their top eight, George Yang has played 29 minutes and nobody else has played more than 10 minutes so far. Yeah. So we'll bring- man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. 
And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easier to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us bring ben to talk okc in a second but want to remind you that we're doing league pass again on monday this is going to be 10 eastern 7 pacific sacramento versus golden state sadly we will not get to see tyrese halliburton in this one but we will get a chance to see james wiseman talk a lot uh, about him get to see De'Aaron fox what are you going to be looking at for this game uh, some of the interesting matchups uh, on monday night the point guards are are both you know the the, the linchpins of these teams the the key players offensively and and how do these coaches try to take away what the other team does well so we have seen a lot of Warriors opponents try to you know maybe take some put load up on Steph Curry Luke Walton of course very familiar with Steph Curry considering his history with the Warriors and De'Aaron Fox maybe he gets into Steph a lot they go that direction and then with De'Aaron Fox it's been a little bit of a concerning start for him but can they run on this Warriors team can do the does Golden State get back on defense so can which which of those two players sets the tone and is most effective at what they want to do yeah and sacramento has been doing more switching they did that against houston we'll see if they do some of that against golden state these teams actually played one another twice in the preseason and steph curry looked really good he was getting more stuff off the ball and we've seen curry be effective against bad teams uh, chicago and detroit and have more struggles uh, against teams that are a little bit more locked in and with both teams on a back-to-back actually no i'm sorry uh golden state will be on a back-to-back sacramento will not be uh so they'll have a, a day to prepare and they've played against stuff obviously um 
the backup center situation will be interesting i would imagine that luke walton will want to avoid putting hassan whiteside out there with steph at the same time although whiteside really was pretty good offensively and protecting the rim against this warriors team the warriors are shooting a really terrible percentage around the basket and you know whiteside could certainly cause some problems for them there Uh, rashawn holmes has made his way into being a nice defensive center and he's actually shown some switchability in the early season so how they deal with steph will be fascinating you know kelly Oubre is he gonna keep shooting three-pointers is he gonna make a three-pointer like that's Ubre shot it really well in one of these kings games so uh, maybe he can find his rhythm against them uh, again in chase centers the warriors are in the this will be the third of a seven game homestand for golden state well and then how does how does draymond green look physically how does he look defensively yeah. I, I thought he looked pretty good actually that's yeah. the one thing we didn't say uh when we were talking about golden state earlier i thought he actually in terms of moving his feet looked to have like pretty good quickness and so playing against sacramento at least in their base lineups Draymond can have more latitude helping because Sacramento plays two big men so Rashawn Holmes and, and Marvin yeah. Bagley yeah we'll so, see if Mario and Bagley is still in the starting lineup by then that's true and Sacramento has other forward options they could play Harrison Barnes at the four they could play Nemanja Bielitsa more which I would I would support either of those guys getting more minutes and yes with Tyrese Halliburton out the guard rotation is a little thinner but Sacramento still has better options and generally speaking if a team can choose between playing small and playing big they should probably play a little small a little bit more more often space the four for De'Aaron Fox better. And yeah, I mean, Bagley, those looks like there's some discontent there, at least coming from his father. And we're, you know, that that is a, a different thing altogether. But remember that Monty McNair doesn't have the same connection to Bagley. He's not the one who drafted him over Luka Doncic, not the one who who made, made any sort of commitments when Bagley was drafted. And the bigger problem is just that Bagley hasn't played very well. And so can he justify being a starter and or closer for this team? and this Warriors game could be very important in Luke Walton and Monty McNair's minds yeah you could see but the Kings had that nice start three and one that then lost two in a row to the Rockets and uh, the Warriors will see what happens tonight when they play against Portland but they certainly are going to be desperate for a win if they want to try to prove that they can still be in the playoff mix the Warriors are giving up a ton of three-pointers so keep an eye on Buddy Heald who has already taken 61 three-point attempts uh, in six games Uh, as of now I would expect him to get up a lot of those he's hitting 38 percent from downtown and then i think the kings scoring on the second unit the warriors have been going with this eric pascal at center they've even been playing some zone i think that zone could be pretty effective against the kings whenever buddy healed is off the floor without halliburton really bialica is the only other shooter on this team that you're particularly that worried about and so i think uh they could have some success with Pascal at center and then just packing the paint against this King's second. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor 
for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Unit. All right, let's bring in Ben to talk a little OKC here. All right, let's finish things off here with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Ben Dalt joining us here. And Ben, we gave him the choice of any team that he wanted in the entire Western Conference. And the way we're going to do this now is he's actually going to do the same team over the course of an entire month. So check in with them twice uh, in both the East and the West to kind of get an idea of how things are evolving for that team. But Ben, of all teams to pick, why the Oklahoma City Thunder? (laughs) I I wanted to provide some insight and foresight on the uh, the beginning of the Mark Dignall, Mark Dignall era. I also wanted to take Houston, but I don't know if John Wall is going to be playing, so I'll say that too. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, John Wall looks pretty good, as we talked about earlier. But no, and, and of course, the bitter irony for me is I'm really jealous of you. I wanted to talk about the Thunder, but I, I get plenty of other chance to. we got four more episodes per week to do that. So let's get right into the two and three Oklahoma City Thunder. They have a negative 5.1 net rating, which is 25th in the NBA, 26th on offense, but a robust, a robust 12th on defense. Uh, they project for 26 wins, which would still be 15th in the conference. Uh, their Raptor playoff odds, 4%, but the ELO playoff odds, 32%. What has stood out to you about the OKC Thunder, Ben? Yo, well, I mean, one, maybe I could just quickly run through the rotation, just like who was even playing, uh, and then some stuff on on just kind of how they were playing. But yeah, th- that been... is a useful exercise, by the way, for the OKC <laughs> Thunder. To, to, who is on this team is, is uh, something that I think is is very useful for people. Yeah, I mean, that was that was part of it also, too, looking at them from the start of the season, because in the offseason, it's like, oh, which, which of these players are they going to keep? So George Hill starting in the backcourt next to Shea, Gildas Alexander, Lou Dort at the three, Darius Baisley at the four, Al Horford, and then Horford and Hill, uh, they they sat them the, the first game time they played Orlando, so not last night, and then they've been running a second unit of Teo Maladon, Hamidou Diallo, Alexei Pogoshevsky, Kenrich Williams, and Mike Muscala, and then Isaiah Roby got in there getting the start for Horford, and then Justin Jackson started that one game for Hill, but that's that's the uh, the only minutes that, that he's gotten at all. Yeah, so I think uh, it seemed before the season that if they actually had all five of those starters out there, that they could look pretty good at times. Yeah, it's it's uh you know it's a heavy lift for Shea, but I, I do you know it is. I do kind of like how they're playing. I mean, they're focused on just getting up threes and trying to get to the basket as much as they can. 44% of their shots from three as a team was second in the league when, when I pulled that last night, and they're 12th in frequency at the rim, which is 
understandable. You know, if they want to get there a ton, they, then maybe they don't really have the vehicles to uh, to get there too much. But they're playing a lot of five out and just Al Horford at the top of the floor. Like, you know, people are used to seeing from him when he's actually getting to play center. And with Muscala as the backup five, too, we're even seeing like Baisley and Diallo, like getting some reps as the screener. So you would hope that those guys can kind of get some chances to, to, to roll and attack an open lane. It's just... It'd be nice if they had like one, especially a young guy that was like a really big time kind of shooting prospect. I think that would just add a little bit more future excitement, but also I think they, it would just really help them somebody have a little bit more pull also. Yeah, because you can take a lot of threes, but if the other team isn't guarding you, then that's not going to open up the, the rim that much. And you're right. I mean, I think there's really nobody who scares you too badly. George Hill is a very nice standstill shooter, but not somebody like you're talking about who's necessarily going to shoot it on the move. Um, what type of actions uh, have they been running under the new coach mark dagnall yeah i mean just just one the the first thing is just like with shade they just do a good job of just getting into a pick and roll right away any chance he's bringing it up early but it's just a lot of i guess you'd really call it most of it just delay the delay action the pistol action yeah and, and just just to remind people delay is just kind of a catch-all term for when you bring the ball down on a secondary break the big man is trailing you throw it to him at the top of the key and then you go into some handoff stuff or swing the ball to the other side with guys screening for each other just basically like letting the center kind of run things which you know obviously Horford is good at yeah and that and that's where that's where the you know a wing shooter would have really been nice because you know they give the ball to, to Horford and then if two guys kind of run into each other and split well if one of those guys is a great shooter then you know that could be then Baisley you know cutting back door to get some dunks and stuff like that would be open a little bit more but but the the funny thing is like Horford and then Mascal like they're those guys are like really letting it fly they're both like at five threes per game and and Horford at this rate he's taken like two-thirds of his shots from three yeah and uh, Horford and Mescal have really been uh, their best shooters so far along with Ilshay is struggling he's nine out of 31 Baisley uh five out of 20 from three uh you know Lou Dort uh we'll, we'll get to him he's, he's shooting 44 percent which is uh maybe not something that we saw coming um one thing you pulled though that doesn't surprise me at all is that they have one of the lowest transition frequencies in the league uh only 12 percent of the time which i mean they just don't really have that player who's gonna push it down your throat like chase like kind of a more deliberate sort of game maybe you could see basically getting into being more of a grab and go guy in time but he's got to develop that part of his game um i mean let's talk about dort though 12 27 from downtown are you buying that he I mean, clearly 44 percent will not be sustainable but are you buying that he's gonna be a threat from downtown I don't see why I wouldn't. I mean, it just, it looks pretty good. And just, I mean, half the battle too, right? Isn't it just like, I mean, how many times do you and Danny talk about guys record scratching? Like if he's just actually going to shoot when he's open, like, and you've been a fan of what he can do as a driver too. And I agree, but just if he's actually going to take the ones where he's open, you like, you can actually learn something from that. So I, I just, and I think they're just in a position to be patient with it. And he's, he's, he's letting it rip. I, I mean, it looks pretty good I, to, to be a threat. I, I would say, sure. Why not? at this point yeah i mean you know i i think being competent is something that is uh in his skill set i think also you know there seems to be a mental component for him as well maybe going through those struggles where it was really just a dare match with houston in the playoffs were like all right you can take 15 threes a game and uh billy donovan was telling him all right well then take 15 threes a game we have confidence in you and you know he went through some of those stretches where he was just oh for eight and it looked awful and he kept shooting through that i think that helps mentally now there's a lot less pressure on a team like 
like this where you're basically they're not trying to win you're just being asked to spread your wings there's no chance that they're going to take you out of the game to put in a shooter if you miss a few you um you know i'm not sure that you can get to being competent from where he was last year over the course of you know two and a half months which is basically what we're talking about since the playoffs ended but he does look improved and there was one where he was like caught the ball on the move in the corner and just jacked it up and made it uh but we'll see i'm uh i'm holding in abeyance right now but certainly the early return are positive it'd be nice if you know because now teams are actually closing him out a little bit and he drives he's got this bowling ball drive style it'd be nice if he passed it once in a while on those though huh yeah that's the that's really the only the only critique for him so far with the obviously with the threes actually going in but you know he can clearly command some attention in that way so that's just a way it seems like a you know that natural first thing to kind of list for him to really add to the value he can give you on offense because he isn't quite just gonna go hard go up and just dunk on a bunch of guys so sometimes if he's launching himself into a big and just kind of flinging it up some of these times he has he has had a few of those plays where it's just you know he'll take a dribble navigate that next guy and actually get around him but then if he can pitch it out on some of those that that would that would help them out especially like for Shea right because he has to do so much on his own so like if they're actually getting some drive and kick sequences where he can actually like get the ball back to maybe get some easier chances that would be nice too yeah absolutely and I mean he's Dort is so strong and so powerful I mean he kind of has this Zion-esque approach we talked about him earlier of how Zion is just going to go up and try and score on people regardless and Dort is kind of like that too but obviously he's not quite a Zion level of finisher um what do you make of the second unit that they have uh, with some of their younger just like really unestablished prospects I mean it seems like they're going to really struggle I don't know I mean Maladone I'm not you know I I don't have the uh, some uh, full scattering report on what he was supposed to be coming in in his prior games but he's turned it over 10 times in about 90 minutes and from what we've seen so far I guess you know I can see is he going to make shots and handle the ball a little bit but he doesn't really have another kind of lead guy that he's going to be playing with to do a lot of the heavy lifting he did have one really nice pass like left hand live dribble fired a bullet to the corner to set up a three but it's been pretty evenly spread with how the ball is going around in the second unit and Muscala's jacking it up that kind of helps a little bit for everybody else but you know Diallo early on I'm not sure it doesn't seem like the shot has really come along very much and yeah he's also kind of disappointed me defensively as well I mean he's had like a few plays where he's just gotten blown by and I mean I, you know only four three-point attempts and 35 two-point attempts for Diallo and he's also by the way un under 50 percent from two like that you can't have that type of two-point efficiency for a guy like him yeah and and i i like that you brought up the defense too because just for him to stick like you would you want that to be there too and then maybe you can kind of be more hopeful that you can still make some progress offensively because then with with kenrich williams being in the rotation too like isaiah roby had that big game when he started when horford was out and if they're gonna find more time for roby i, I guess you'd say you he would he would kind of supplant kenrich williams but I just kind of figure the the theory with him, right, is like, can we at least get somebody out there who's like a decent team defender, can at least put up a little bit of a fight on some of these some of these scorers and mix it up a little bit inside. So, and then Pokashevsky, right? I mean, I guess that's that's probably the headline. It's just not maybe having a ton of established options 
I guess makes, I mean, it makes it fun to watch him. He's getting chances to run pick and roll, come off of handoffs. He started one for 16 from three, and it just, the shot looks really, really flat and short some of the time. But the 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 the, 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 the uh, flashes <laughs> with the passing have, have been pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, are you are you buying that, like, he can be something? He's got to make shots. I mean, I, I mean, he's got, he's got the quick release, but is that going to be, because, I mean, he, he, he basically has to be a wing, right? I don't know if he's going to be a four just because you can say he's tall and has some length so if he's got to be somebody on the wing that you can trust to give you something on offense we haven't really seen him you know go into the rim to go score in some of those situations with a ton of force or just or just really wowing you there so it just if he makes shots i i can see a, a guy off the bench i would say yeah it's interesting that he i mean he looks so smooth and making the shots is kind of the prerequisite i think if he can do that then all right he could be a nice offense piece off the bench this how thin he is you don't see him really and he's such narrow shoulders and I, it's hard for me to see how he's going to be a plus defensively. He has enough smoothness that maybe you think he could move his feet a little bit more. Uh, he has some feel. I you know, maybe he can like make some more plays as kind of this long, skinny help defender. I don't see that necessarily being the case. So there's a lot of intriguing stuff. And in this draft, to take him 17, I get it. But when you draft a guy like this, the chances are that he's just not going to be good ever, and he's certainly not going to be good this year. I mean, he's going to really kill them probably. Also, I mean, you mentioned Kendrick Williams. To have Pokusevsky be two for 21 and Kendrick Williams three for 15 as your two primary forwards off the bench. And that's that's pretty rough if you're trying to win right now. But of course, uh, they are not trying to do that. Um, let's see here. What else did we want to talk about? Oh yeah, to, back to Maladon. I, I think he he looks like very competent and professional just watching him, I think. And it, he's pretty judicious from two. He's not a great athlete. It's kind of weird. He looks more comfortable to me shooting off the dribble than he does with his spot-ups. His spot ups really kind of like gets this deep crouch he loads up it's not like a very natural looking shot he's had a lot of bad misses on spot ups to me i don't know anything else to say about him at all or is that that kind of cover it yeah well and and just like and just how is he gonna get more shots or just have more of an upside you know if he's not exploding to the rim if he isn't really able to you know have the juice or you know the wiggle with his handle to create more of these pull-up looks it just it seems like a pretty limited outlook and he he's probably going to be more dependent on his career that he, that he's playing with some really good players on a second unit yeah which is fine though i mean you draft a guy 34 right. I, I could totally see him being a rotation guy he's got good size he can pass he can dribble i think his shooting will be solid enough uh you know he's got a pretty decent euro step game for his finishing i mean he's not gonna just like push it down your throat to the rim but i think if he gets a little bit of an advantage he's a can be a capable finisher so i yeah sure he's, is he gonna be like a high-end starting point guard i don't think he has that level of athleticism or scoring ability but I think he can be a totally competent steward. I, I think, I think Danny would, uh, that's a, a Danny term. Um, yeah, do you think, I mean, Roby played so well in that first game uh, that he played, and he's 12 to 17 on the year. Do you think he plays more as time goes on? I, th- I think they need to get more of a look at him. It's just the question of what do they do? I, I guess the natural thing is, especially with Williams not making his shots either, uh, just play him as the backup four. Maybe I think that would, that would make sense. And it, 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 there were a few moments in that start 
part where he he passed up some threes they could have used but you know just uh don't not need, don't need to be too harsh on him for how little he's played i guess overall and just uh, on top of the one thing to that game he had too was he had a few nice drives to just being under control and to be able to throw in some floaters so I, I think it's it's worth definitely worth it for them to get a look at him i mean there are they're already going in all in being so young and i don't know we didn't talk too much about their defense but i don't know that they're really going to be uh, as robust as what are they are right now 12 yeah let, let's talk about their defense here what are they doing schematically it's just it's just Horford and Muscala just in a deep, in a deep drop way back in the lane and you know Dort is really the one guy you know Will and Williams can can be solid at times that are really uh, that you'd really kind of label as guys on the perimeter that have been positive although Dort even has struggled a little bit getting screened where, he, where he's better with the isos but it's just guys are just getting runways at you know Horford and Muscala and Muscala has, has been chronicled on this podcast you know he can get knocked back even when he goes vertical at the rim by guys and, and Horford's been just really ground bound and and some of it too may be understandable it's just like they play you know they're playing Utah and he was just sticking to Gobert the whole time and Ingles and Conley were having a field day but you know if he steps up to the ball I just maybe it's a thing of of him just not having enough in the tank where he's going to be able to play two guys back there but also if he fully commits they're just they're just they're not getting anything on the glass nobody's flying in there to really help them out yeah that's a a good point uh that Horford has never been a great defensive rebounder himself and uh that's kind of the one downside of him and you know and he's 34 now too Philly fans were would say that hey like Brett Brown was playing him in a drop coverage and he got lit up last year and like he and he has said that he's more comfortable kind of being at least up to touch defensively but I think they're just the fact that they they are so young and had so limited of a training camp and so little continuity with this group i think it would just be too complicated for them to have to play a more aggressive pick and roll scheme and make the rotations on the backside. but i mean they are just getting completely destroyed at the basket as you mentioned and there's nobody else on this team really who's going to get over a screen you know george hill is not in uh you know lockdown kyle lowry in the playoffs mode defensively right now and the magic i think had in their victory over them had like over 70 points in the paint like a team record against these guys i think we're going to see a lot of results like that going forward yeah and you and you mentioned for baisley to like grab and go like they you know if forford's gonna actually step up on the ball or mescal if he's in there like that's where baisley's got to get in there he's gotta he's gotta fight for them a little bit more and he can actually if he actually pulls those down then then there'll be some chances for him to to get out and go yeah and this will be a season where guys like baisley and shea even lou dort to an extent are gonna spread their wings offensively they're going to be some of the main guys and if the defense is not going to be a huge emphasis those guys are going to play regardless but those guys have enough tools a Dort obviously will always fend but uh you know he's not going to be when he was just single-mindedly focused on James Harden he's not going to defend quite at that level I don't think and Shea and Baisley have the tools they just are going to have to get better defensively at some point I just don't think it's going to be this year for the 22 and 20 year old uh Baisley all right well that will do it for the OKC Thunder and do it for our first 15 60 since march of last year a lot of fun to actually get back out there and do this and really go through all the teams catch up on them see some of these statistical oddities early in the season and danny and i will be back tomorrow talk to you all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.